0: Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 45 of the Far End of the Bench podcast with myself, Jimmy Pilato, my co-host, Nico Bryant. We have a jam-packed episode, even though both of our teams, we went from a week having two teams in the playoffs to now we have no teams in the playoffs, and it's a sad state of affairs. It's been a sad state of affairs for Denver sports fans. I talk about that in the center of attention, but we do, we managed to bring up the mood a little bit, especially towards the end with our segments. We had some wild stories happen over the weekend sports, but we obviously have to recap playoff hockey, playoff basketball, talk about the nuggets, the abs, what they did well, what they didn't do well uh, and everything like that. So it's a fun episode. You guys are going to like this one. Be sure to subscribe wherever you're listening. Now, if you're listening to us live on the unhinged sports network, you can do so every week each Wednesday from one to 3 PM Eastern. And then Fridays from two to 4 PM Eastern is when you can catch us there unhinged sn.airtime.pro. Um, but yeah, Nico, this is. Let's. I want to get into this episode because it's going to be a good one. We got a lot of great sports to talk about. You know, like actual sports.
1: Hey, hey, man, Hazbula and, and Jokic's brothers, man, they could throw down, though <laughs> I don't want to mess with either one
0: of those boys. I, I think we have some discrepancies as to who we are and who we aren't messing with, but uh, we got a lot of Eastern European characters, I guess, for this episode. That's something. <laughs> beautiful girls tell me goodbye trucks break down dogs run off politicians and fire one... all right bench warmers it's we gotta address this it has not been a good couple weeks for denver sports fans eight games straight in the playoffs go from having two teams to having zero teams and on top of that, on top of taking all the L's on top of the ice and on the hardwood, we're taking L's up in the stands, too. And we now have caused a moment that will live in infamy, and this is where you kind of see when your team has a little bit of national attention, when things go wrong, everybody knows about it. That's exactly what we're seeing here in this most recent fan kerfuffle Uh Two guys in Nuggets jerseys tried to suck a bunch of Suns fan. If he, you've probably seen it, if not, just search Suns and Four guy. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was on uh, Dave Portnoy's podcast like three days after he did that. And then correctly predicting the Suns would sweep the Nuggets in Four. I'm sure that we'll talk about it a little bit more when we get into this episode. But just as a collective group, we should come together. We should maybe see this as penance if we want a good thing like Aaron Rodgers coming to the Broncos this may be what you have to go through but all in all we still have the all-star game We'll be able to have fun there and the avalanche and the Nuggets are going to be back next year so as bad as it was to end the season the way that it did on an eight-game losing streak it's not the end of the world and we're going to be right back there in the upcoming months and in the upcoming seasons because we got great young players on both teams so we're very excited about the way it's looking over at Ball Arena. This episode of The Far End of the Bench is presented by the Unhinged Sports Network in partnership with Fanatics.com. What a difference a week makes, Nico. A like, week
1: and a half? Two weeks, man? Oh, my God. This sucks to be us right now. Colorado, it's crazy. Crazy. This has got to be crazy. as low of a uh, time in Colorado sports and I don't think how long. We, w- we went from a sweep of the Avalanche winning the first round. We had the Nuggets winning in six, and then we lose eight straight playoff games. June I mean, 5th. June, honestly, June 5th yeah, is the last honestly, day
0: that we won a playoff game.
1: It's honestly hysterical. <laughs> like, 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 that's how bad it is. Like, like, I, like we were on top – I mean, we were on top of the world. There was still a long shot. The Nuggets were going to do anything. And the, the Avs, there was high hopes. But, like, still, like, this is – <laughs> This is, this, this, this is where the term diehard comes into play. I'll tell you right now because we're going to find out real quick if people are going to jump ship on both these teams or if you're going to stick here through the long haul because I was a part of that, that time where the Broncos got their asses kicked in the Super Bowl by the Seahawks and all the people saying, well, Peyton will never be able to win another Super Bowl, and blah, blah, blah. This Broncos team isn't good enough, and look what happened. I'm hoping I'm hoping it's the same. I, I can't it – looks, it looks bleak right now, but I can help, right?
0: It's, it's crazy because it's not just losing the eight straight games on the court. Like I mentioned, the fact that we're getting the national recognition right now, but it's because two of our guys get worked over by some chubby little – chubby, chubby Suns fan in a Steve Nash jersey absolutely works over uh, some, some Nuggets fans up in the, in the upper deck of ball arena to go along with the fact that the Nuggets got swept and the Avalanche lost four straight games. I just I don't even know what.
1: Yeah, and then the Avs fan in Vegas, game six, which I was in Vegas. I didn't get to go to the game because I was working, but I got to watch the end of it, and the Avs fan got their flag stolen. So, so the Rockies fan, guys, that got knocked the fuck out by the Padres fan. The Nuggets got their ass kicked by a guy who yelled, Sons and Four. And then the Avs guy had his flag stolen. I mean, the Broncos are next, I guess. But, man, we are paying for it right now. We are paying I hope for it's,
0: so badly. I, I hope it's some sort of sick voodoo thing where we, like, gave up all these things willingly. Uh, like the Wonder Woman 84, where you, you get what you want, but you got to burn the other things that are most important to you. Maybe we sacrifice the avalanche in the Nuggets season so that well, num- in number 12 might be in an orange and blue here in, in the next I couple I mean,
1: weeks. It, it would make the offseason much nicer. I guess we sacrificed getting swept in the second round for Jokic getting MVP. So I guess I guess I can sleep at night knowing that. But I mean, with the Avs, like, fuck. If this, like I said, this is just, this is, like I said, it's just hysterical. Like I'm wearing yeah. my Rockies jersey because I guess it's baseball <laughs> season. I guess it's PLL season. Like I don't like look. I'll watch the NBA playoffs. I'll watch the hockey playoffs, but it doesn't mean as much. Like yeah, yeah, I'll throw money around, but like it just doesn't mean as much. It's unfortunate, but that's where we are. When you lose eight straight playoff games, this is. I mean, this is as low as I would say Raheem Moore against ball against Baltimore. I would say, um,
0: oh my gosh! Like uh, the, the Jacksonville
1: 1996 game. Yep,
0: Jacksonville
1: 1996. I would say the Rockies when they made the World Series after winning 21 of 22 games and then getting swept. That's mm-hmm. up there with that. Like there, there's, there's. This is as low as a time as you can get. But here we are pushing out content even as low as it is for for us.
0: Yeah, we uh, we talked a lot. We had to. uh we, I'll be honest, we flipped our account kind of fast. We didn't go full, as full heart, full on as uh, Paul Bessonet. Did you see him, uh, the podcast after the Canadians moved on? He was in all Canadians gear. We didn't go that hard, but we are rooting for the Canadians now over the Knights. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, well, let's get into the NHL playoffs and let's go to the Eastern Conference, actually, because I wanted to talk about... Uh, one of our colleagues on the Unhinged Sports Network, Dan from Time to BS, his team got beat the Bruins. But there's a lot of question marks about what this Bruins team actually was. They were pretty hurt. Tuca re-aggravated a back injury, and now his kind of status with the team is up in the air. Uh, what what do you think about that Eastern Conference or Eastern I mean, Division final? I
1: mean, I mean, we talked about back when the uh, – um the uh, Lake Tahoe games were going on. One of the games was Boston and, I don't know who the other team was, but Boston was one of the teams. And I was like, damn, three of the best four teams in hockey are playing this weekend." Boston was not that. Boston was not that at all. I I still think the Avalanche were top three in the league, even out to losing to Vegas, because I think Vegas – Vegas is more than likely going to win at all. So let's just put that out there. Like, I am going to be throwing good money on that. <laughs> I, I don't I want to, but I got to win some money somehow after having a week in Vegas. So I got to figure out somehow to get some money back in my pocket. Um, but, man, Boston just – like, I don't, I don't understand what – look, they have all the talent. It's the same thing with the Avalanche. They have the talent. They just don't have guys step up at all ever. You bring in Taylor mm-hmm. Hall, the trade deadline, he disappears. Taylor Hall was was a guy that was heavily sought after in free agency. Heavily. He comes Former in number and, one overall pick. Yeah, he comes in and puts up a goose egg for you. Like, what what did you give up? You gave up your future for this guy, and he is under, performs like this? There's a difference between signing someone in the offseason for X amount of dollars and trading your farm for somebody.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's what Boston did, and they had nothing to show for it.
0: Yeah. I think that they probably wanted a little bit more out of him in this round of the playoffs, but I think for Boston, especially, it's much more likely for for us to see a Taylor Hall in a Boston Bruins sweater next season than I think it is for us to see Tuka Rask in a Boston Bruins sweater, because he's already so lukewarm in the fan base and he's never won them a cup. It was Tim Thomas when they won their last Stanley cup. So I really think that we're about to see them move on from Tuka and we're they're going to have to somehow solidify goaltending cuz their their top line is good. Pastrnak, like Bergeron and Marchand is a top line in hockey. They just didn't have anything behind them and they don't they didn't have I think Taylor Hall is a good second line second line player for you, but he also needs pieces to play with. Like he'd be, he'd be great in Cadre situation where you're the second line center. You could probably be a first line guy, other places, but your second line is uh, Andre Burakovsky and JT confer. And you're like, Oh, this is, this is pretty good. Taylor Hall just didn't have that with Boston and New York plays their game to perfection. They did it in game one against Tampa Bay too. I think New York is probably the best defensive team as a unit and Barry trots. I, I feel bad for all you Capitals fans. For the fact that you just let Barry Trotz's contract expire and he basically just kind of walked out the door, like, uh, I guess I'll go coach in New York now.
1: I mean, they got a cup though. <laughs> like, like they is did it get. it not that bad? <laughs> like, like it would have been completely different if they lost. But them winning it, I think, honestly, I think they're happy for him because I mean, Washington still is a good team, but like, he's now succeeding somewhere else. He brought you a cup, and that was the that was the thing that. Was uh was going against Ovi for so long as he didn't have a cup and now he does and that's partially because of trots and I, I don't think Washington yeah. has any ill will bonded but man New York got lucked out you talk about Varley who is stepping up way out of his league <laughs> this is not the Varley we've seen the last couple of years I'm sorry Islanders fans I don't know where this guy came from I don't know I don't know what's going on I love Varley but man this is not the same guy I've been watching for the last three years <laughs> no shot like like he was good He's- at one point he was. But like, this is not the same guy, <laughs> and he is bawling out yeah. from New York right now. And their their front line bars all Anders Lee, man. They're they're just coming and firing, and they're 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 playing the underdog role. We're we're New York Islanders. We're the second we're the second team in New York because technically the Rangers have the more love, in in general sense. We're the second team in New York. Everyone counts out. But we're the fucking Islanders, and we're just gonna come in and shock the world. And that's exactly what they're doing.
0: Yeah, and they're actually Varlamov. I was watching the game before we started recording tonight, and it's uh, I think Tampa Bay in the in the final four round is winning game two two to one in the second intermission. But Varlamov actually got ran in the first period and got injured, so he's not playing. It's back to Sorok. and Sirokins played really good for him in the playoffs. He basically got them the win in the first series and beat uh, Tristan Jari, which wasn't hard to do with Pittsburgh. They're 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 getting like good production. I think Trotz is making sure that guys are all staying on their toes, and they know that all of, all five of their guys on the ice have to play well to win. They're not one of those teams with a top line really. It's all four lines got to be working in sync, and they they're doing that to perfection. And it, we saw it. The, the Tampa Bay Lightning had a difficult time trying to figure that out in the first game of their series because New York is leading that side of the semifinal one nothing, but Tampa Bay looked really good against Carolina. We talked about Andre Vasilevsky last week because they uh, clinched the last time that we recorded an episode. Do you think that Tampa Bay can get upset here against New York? Do you think that the Islanders might not be that far off from a, a cup final appearance?
1: I've seen crazier things. and When you look at on paper, New York has no chance to get Tampa. But we don't play games on paper. We do not play games on paper. It ain't it you can throw throw the stat book out. because like, when when it comes to the playoffs, especially the semifinals, which they're in right now, everything is thrown out the window because you just figure out what, ways to win one game at a time. You win one game at a time all the way to four, and then you're 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 living to play another day. That's all New York and Tross is doing. Like I said, Tampa Bay was there last year. They won it last year. They they were rolling for a reason. So they have the guys that, that know how to get there and possibly win the big one, but I don't know if this could be a case of the injuries and the quote-unquote rest management during the regular season catching up to them. It very well could be. Um, we could, we could, that could be playing in the factor because this Islanders team is is rock solid. They are. They are. They are one complete unit. And I don't know if Tampa Bay is that. I mean, you could say because look, the talent is is unmatched. There is no doubt Tampa Bay's Tampa's talent is unmatched. But like I don't know about them in the long run, just because um, they ha- they're having guys that, that didn't play the regular season or whatever it may be. Like that that's where my big question mark with Tampa is. I still am not counting them out because I've seen this team play at a high level for a long for a few years now, I see what they're capable of. So I still think Tampa can win this this series, but New York is not going to give let them walk through them.
0: Yeah, I mean, Tampa's been a cup contender forever. They were the team that Washington beat in the Eastern Conference Final back in 2017 when they, they, won, they won, won their won. cup. 20...
1: Yeah. And then they were the uh, number one seed and when they lost to uh, Columbus, too. Yep.
0: Yeah. so, I mean, they have they have a good culture surrounding them. They basically go as their back end goes. That's what you're kind of seeing with them. When Hedman, McDonough, and Sergeyev are playing really well and letting the forwards run, they're getting, you're, that's when the Tampa Bay Lightning are at their best, and that's why they're leading 2-1 right now. Nikita Kucherov has two assists. Braden Point has a goal and an assist. Palat has a goal. So they're getting a lot of production from their top guys, but it's all from the back forward. When Andre Vasilevsky is hot, when Victor Hedman is playing good defense, I think Victor Hedman, Watching the end of that Avalanche Golden Knights series and the defense being played there, and then watching Victor Hedman play defense is a totally different experience. He is a true, like, one on one, shut you down defenseman, and it's a great thing to watch. So, when he's going forward, there's a reason why he won the Con Smythe last year. He's a big part of this Tampa Bay engine. Is it, do I think that it's going to get to New York? Yes. I don't necessarily think a team with a team like Tampa Bay with all their history and their pedigree. I don't think that they're going to let this series get to a point where they're in danger of just giving it away. But I agree with you that crazier things have happened and why not? My, uh, the abs aren't in it. I don't really care who wins anymore is basically my feeling. But if Tampa Bay makes it to the final and it's against Vegas, you're damn right. We're a central Florida podcast. I'll start wearing my flip flops everywhere and we'll uh, we'll just go from there.
1: That That would be a. I mean, there's a lot of fun matchups for the final four. Don't get me wrong. As much as we don't like Vegas over here, but they're they're them matching up against the likes of New York or um or Tampa. I think it would be a really really fun series.
0: Yeah. So now we can move on and we'll talk about let's talk about the Golden Knights and Canadians game one first, and then we'll save our belly aching about the Avalanche for last because there's a lot to be. Discussed when it comes to them, game one, Vegas ends up beating Montreal four one. wasn't really ever that close. Uh, the goal that Montreal scored was kind of garbage time. <clears throat> this is this is like where the pumpkin. This, this is the Cinderella story. The pumpkin's about to turn. The carriage is about to turn back into a pumpkin, and uh, Prince Charming is going to be no longer. There's no way that Montreal pulls this off.
1: Yeah. Look, they're going to, they may get one game, two games because of Carey Price in that. because Carey Price yeah. is still doing unreal things, even though they lost that game, even though he let up two goals, right. In the first game, might've been, mm-hmm. yeah. Even though he, let, he, up he games, let up four. Yeah. Even though he let up that many in the first game, he still was playing his ass off. Like I think Carey Price could steal one game just because of how good he is. Um, but yeah, Vegas is so, so much better. Like, like, I know we, we we don't really want to talk about this, but, like, going back to Toronto and why, like, I don't think – I think Toronto would be in the same situation. They would have got their ass kicked so badly. This is the first time a Canadian team has played um, an American team in 15 months. 15 months. That mm-hmm. is just insane. And, like, just – just I mean, like, they are they – are, <laughs> I mean, Canada, is they, they have very, very few fans in stands, put that in fact, and they have very any, anybody there in the arena in general, and then you go to Vegas where it's literally full <laughs> to the tip. Every single seat is filled. Every single person is standing up. Uh, that is a shock to the system if I've ever seen one. Uh, yeah. that, that, like that's – that, I mean, like it or not, we want to talk about, well, these guys played professionally two, three years ago, whatever. This is not that far removed. This is the playoffs. You play – there's a difference between playing against 500 people and 15,000 people. There's a big difference.
0: Yeah, and you totally saw the the shock factor of everything. First of all, uh, we know that the North Division this season was not anywhere near the caliber of the other three divisions at all. And I said – I think whatever Canadian team makes it through the North playoffs is going to be in for rude awakening that first game because you got speed on the front end. You got speed on the back end. And what Vegas proved last night is they have the most active defenseman and most active back end, I think, in, in the NHL. <clears throat> All four of their goals scored by defensemen. Alec Martinez, Alex Petrangelo, um, and then Theodore, Shay Theodore got one. And there's one other guy, but they are – we're seeing how good the West division was. I do think in in all honesty, did Vegas deserve to win the series against Colorado? Yeah. And now kind of looking more into it, I think Colorado, this team definitely maturity wise was not ready for a Stanley cup run. Talk, talk about there's talk about now Jared Bednar before game one of the blue series was having to get his guys going. Like this is not going to be a walkthrough. This is the Stanley cup playoffs. Everybody's going to be difficult. And we've seen it. I mean, I'm sure that everybody's kind of experienced that when you're that good and you can beat teams playing that terribly, sometimes you just think that you you can't be beat. And we, we were proven wrong. Alex Tuck is an alien. I think he's the most underrated player in hockey. And their misfit line of Marsha Souls uh, Stevenson, and uh, uh, Alex Tuck. It, yeah, Mark Stone. It, it's just all of them. They're They're the best team in hockey.
1: Oh, They're the best I mean, team
0: this year, this season.
1: Like I know every single time I talk about hockey, I bring up the goalie every single time, but like it plays a factor. like it does. When when Marc Andre Fleury is between the pipes, this team is unreal. And and it's it's look, Grubauer played good. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna slight Grubar from how he played. But it's just the fact that Fleury made the saves when he needed to. Because that's a goaltender that will be a Hall of Famer. That's a goaltender that could arguably be top five all time. Like that goal – like Fleury is, is – it's, it's crazy, first of all. It's just crazy to think what teams gave up for – gave up in the, in the expansion draft. What Vegas did is making people question a lot of their moves right now because they're worried mm. about what Seattle is going to do. Because, look, Shea Theodore, Anaheim gave up on him way too soon. I, he is he is a damn good defender. He's done a lot of good things. Talk about Flurry. Imagine if Flurry was still in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh could have been in in, in the final four. Yeah, like, like, I I've,
0: yeah, like, I see him chasing his fourth cup in Pittsburgh too, just like he is right now.
1: Like like this team. I mean, talking about Reeves also with the, with the Thrasher slash Jets. He came over like they. Yeah brilliantly put that team together and then you add in pieces like Mark Stone, Petrangelo who have who have cup experience the, the team is just all around great and it pains mm-hmm. me to say that but they are like like they they have guys that are just buying into their roles they have they have the yeah. guys that are like you know what if i if, if my team needs a goal from me or needs a goal from my line i'm going to set them up the best way i can and yeah. defenseman, like you said, the defenseman having four goals in game one, that's just that's just unreal. Like that should never happen. And that's more on their greatness on the back line than it is necessarily Montreal letting up four goals by defenseman.
0: Yeah, I mean, we talked. I said it last week. Between their starting two defensemen and goaltender, there are six Stanley Cups between those three players. Alec Martinez has two, uh, Petrangelo has one, and Flurry has three. I think that we really saw we can we can kind of start talking about what we saw as a detriment for the Avalanche in that series. The biggest thing I saw from Vegas is that they're big and strong enough up front. Their defensemen are able to score and create scoring opportunities because they crash the crease so hard. You never have a a shot that the goaltender sees. They're always through some sort of a screen. Alex Tuck is always near the blue paint blue paint and it makes it absolutely hell on the opposing goalie, and the defensemen can't move these guys because they're that big and strong. So I, I really think that's Vegas's X factor, and I think they could do that against anybody. It's very difficult for me to say right now that Vegas is going get, to get beat by anybody, which I think, sucks. Yeah, I, I don't want them to win one.
1: I, I think Tampa gives them the best chance, best run for money. But besides that, I don't know. man. I don't think there's a team out there that can beat them.
0: All right. So now let's uh, let's transition to the avalanche. Obviously, disappointing. Uh, what were your like raw reactions? Let's let's do raw reactions, and then we can kind of discuss. Because I did go on the uh, "Tell It As It Is" podcast with Griffin, so I've already kind of had a, one discussion about them. What was your thoughts right after Game Six, and and the and Vegas closed it out at home?
1: I I mean, first of all, being 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 in Vegas, seeing all the Vegas hats that. <laughs> That rubs salt in the wound. I'll tell you that the amount of time, amount of looks I got from wearing an AB shirt was kind of hilarious. Um, but man, look, I there there was I said this on last week's show that was evident in in game two and three. Um, this team was lacking leadership so bad. Like they like they 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 had they had guys that um, that were young and hungry, but like then you have guys. Um, there's no. There's no veteran presence on the back line. Eric Johnson not being there hurt them so much. I mean, props are Gruber because he played his ass off. But, like, when your front line isn't producing, that means somebody else has to step up. And there was not that at all. There was not that at all. Like, we want to put the blame on McKinnon, Manson, and Lannisgaard. But at the same time, what else is everyone else getting you? Nothing. Vegas' top line isn't, isn't pr- producing. What happens? They have other guys step up. Like, like it, it, you can put the blame on Mac and Ransom and Landy, but like in the end, they are, they weren't the ones that lost the series. It was it was it was every single person on the ice going back to the defensemen. It was going back. I mean, look that game six. There was zero chance for winning that game. I mean, talk about all the we were we were outplaying them. We were. I'm not I'm not gonna I'm I'm not saying that as a biased fan, but we were, and they but they were just getting every single puck roll. They were getting the, the goal at the end of the period that bounced off the backboards and right into the stick of, uh, I think it was Petrangelo or something, that went in back in that. That's just a backbreaker. You're out playing them, and you just ran out of gas. And Vegas was just making the plays when they needed to, and the Abs weren't. Is it disappointing? Yes, 100%. But, like, when I still look back at this Avalanche season, I still think this team is improving and still has a good chance of continuing along this path. Would it have been nice to go to the second or go to the conference finals or semifinals or whatever. Yes, but we just lost the best team in hockey. We just lo- like 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 I'm I'm not gonna sit here and make excuses because Vegas was far and away the better team. But there's there's gonna be some ego checks and there's gonna be some there's, there's gonna be some decisions Joe is gonna have to make. What do you do with Landy? What do you do with Grubauer? What do you do with Kale? Because all these young guys you're gonna have to pay. And then also the Seattle Kraken expansion draft. Do you let EJ walk? I mean, is do you, do you let Tyson Jones walk? Do you let Kody walk? Like, like who who do you secure? Who do you feel comfortable with? But that your foundation is there, and then what do you go forward? So that's just the big question for the Avs. It's just tough because we 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 saw the best team in hockey experts. There is no doubt we saw the best team in hockey experts but like when you when, when when it comes to the playoff series it takes a gr- it take, it's a grind to get to four games you have to be better than the other team for four out of the seven games and the Avalanche were not that
0: no they uh, it would have been nice i think the the blame that you put on the top line it would have been nice to see at least one of them stand up and show some leadership on the ice everybody just turtled After game four where they got beat 5-1, everybody kind of just turtled after that. We called that game for color casting, and you could tell it just seemed different after that final score happened. And then in game six, you know, sometimes the puck doesn't roll your way, and that's no good. They should not have been in that situation. It's incredible to me that in that series, for something I didn't think a team was going to win more than two games in a row, Vegas is damn impressive to beat Colorado in four games straight. A team that didn't lose back-to-back games all season or more than two games in a row all season to go and, and run through them for four games. You deserve everything that you're getting. And, and I think you got to figure out something to do with this culture. You got to figure out something. Somebody somewhere, somebody somewhere needs to have some leadership on the back line or in the locker room. It could be Bednar, but I don't think Bednar is that kind of coach. I think it should be Landis Cog. Somebody's got to get these guys going and say, we just wasted one year where we could have been a Stanley Cup champion. Everybody yeah. knew that. Yeah,
1: they got, they got to figure something out. I, th- I, I mean, I, like I'm a firm – like I said, Joe is top two in general managers in the state. We don't – I mean, it's one to uh, – there's three and then there's 50 feet of crap and then number four. Let's <laughs> first of all put that straight. There's Tim Connolly, Joe Sakic, there one A and one B, and there's Peyton, George Peyton, and then there's whatever the Rockies figure out to do. So uh, I trust Joe because he's put a fantastic team on the ice. They just don't perform. I mean, look, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm. I, I watch all the crap teams in hockey because like, I don't. Like I don't watch the LA Kings or or the. Uh, uh, Ottawa Senators or whatever. I'm sorry, I just don't. But like, there's gonna, there's got to be some veteran defenseman out there that Joe is gonna be looking at, and be like, no, this could be the X factor, and this they could help us push us over the top because that's what Vegas did. Pietrangelo won a cup. He came to Vegas, and now he's the leader out there. So there, there's got to be a leadership on the back line because you have that on the front line. On the back line is most important because. There's at times where like the offense was, was there. It was producing partially like, like for Pete saying you're up to zero and game five, you'd lose that. That's on your defense. There's your leadership right there at game five. That's on your leadership in the back line. So they got to be able to figure that out to, if they want to be anywhere near where they want to go.
0: I'll tell you the first step that they need to take on the back line. And I don't know if it's going to happen because of the way he was handled in this series. But Patrick Nemeth needs to not wear a Colorado sweater next season. It was great. I thought he was a good pickup at the, the trade deadline. He scored an own goal in, in game four and then just did absolutely nothing. He, he kept out a guy I would have much rather, whether Bo Byron was ready or not, I would have much rather seen him out there struggling on the ice and seeing Patrick Nemeth, who's struggling but in a completely different way. He's struggling because he physically can't keep up with the game. I think Bo Byram is talented enough. He would have been able to play in that series. You also got to iron out some of the warts with the young guys. You got to figure out how to get things going. I think that Bednar missed out on a big opportunity to get Byram some really key playoff experience, and I don't know know if that's going to come back to bite them or not.
1: I still think Byram also was injured because of that dirty hit like a, like a few weeks back from Vegas, first of all. So I think that's still played a factor. I mean, we saw his reluctance to, to put or injured guys out there in general, which which didn't hurt you in the first series, but it hurt you in the second series. And I don't know if Byron wasn't necessarily healthy to play. That's the only thing with Byron. Like I, I, I think he, he, he would have been out there if he was fully healthy. I, I, I have no doubt about that, because especially game five, game six, or sorry, game six, we needed some legs to push you. I think Byron would have definitely been in the lineup, but I still think his injury played a factor in all that.
0: I feel like you would have almost been better off not to have Nemeth in the lineup and go with an extra forward because at that point it wouldn't have hurt you any. Your defensive presence was non-existent anyways. You're gonna have to generate a lot more offense. I will say there were some good things that came out of the series. I think Grubauer showed that when healthy, he is that guy and we and you can rely on him. So that's great. That's what the avalanche needed. We'll see what happens with his contract situation. Um, but Alex Newhook, you, you now can – it opens up your expansion draft playbook and who you're going to protect. Whereas a guy like Andre Burakovsky at the beginning of the season, he was my pick if the Avalanche won the Stanley Cup, he was going to be my pick for the Conn Smythe winner. And now I think seeing the development of Alex Newhook and the talent that he's already showing in his first few games in the NHL, you can maybe not have to protect a guy like Andre Burakovsky and you'll have another guy to step in and be that producing forward on your second and third lines.
1: I still think Burakovsky should be protected, first of all. You don't keep me wrong, I, I, I don't think Burakovsky, Burakovsky – or Saad? i like a, I'd take Burakovsky. Saad is older. I would take Saad. I, I, like Saad performed in the playoffs, he did. But at his age, like I, I don't – like for, look, look. – the the way I see it also is Seattle is not going to take sod. They would rather Burakovsky. They would much rather. I would Burakovsky. rather them have
0: Burakovsky right now.
1: I don't know about that, buddy. I, that's that's cap and half, buddy. Because Burakovsky, I, I've I'm seen, not I, look because he performed bad in the playoffs. He I've seen him win a cup. I've seen him perform really well during the regular season. He is a top line player at times. Letting him walk. Because we're not we protect him over Brandon Saad, who's a guy that we traded a a, a second round pick for and who's aging. Like, look, it's the is, same. It's the
0: same philosophy though, because you're going with Burakovsky because he's younger than Saad. I'm saying go with Newhook because he's showing more potential and more talent than Burakovsky at a younger age.
1: I mean, look, you're then you're taking away Cup experience in the front line because because Burakovsky has been to the promised land been to the promise line. and you're and you're putting all your young promise into new hook which i believe new is going to be a stud but like he hasn't played he hasn't played very many playoff minutes. burkowski has been in the playoffs the past 10 years or eight years every single basically every year he's been in the league he's been in the playoffs so there's your veteran presence off of the front line
0: he, he just didn't show me enough to warrant i feel like that you got to. Seeing what can happen with an expansion draft, you got to be very careful about who you protect. And what I – like no production at all from a guy like that, a guy that he knew that people were relying on him. He's the he's the engine of the second line. Kadri, Kadri had a good season because he had a guy like Andre Burakovsky to play with. It's It's just not very promising for me to continue to have faith in a guy that didn't have it, didn't have it in the biggest moments. There's a lot of guys that didn't have it. So I guess you can maybe argue if, if nobody was playing well, should we really be holding him to that high of a standard? But as a Stanley Cup champion, I feel like he would want to be held to a very high standard. I, I would be very interested to see what he thinks about his performance in the postseason. We're not going to get it out of him because hockey players don't talk to the media like that. But I would be very interested to see what we get from Andre Burakovsky next, next season if he is still around. I don't know. So, uh, so do
1: you- let's just play a hypothetical then. So, the the, the the holding off, like, protecting players, it's seven forwards. Give me your seven.
0: Uh, Ransanen, McKinnon, Landeskog.
1: Obviously, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, I think you got to protect Kadri because you gave up too much to get him, so you can't let him go in the expansion. Uh, I'm going to go Sod with five. I am going to go with um, – New hook. Hold, up, for, hold
1: up. Before you say that, New hook is exempt. He has two or fewer last okay. players, two or fewer less seasons, so he's already protected. Okay. It doesn't matter. So he is he isn't part of that.
0: Then I want to keep Logan O'Connor, and then and
1: O'Connor I think is also two years, but I'm not positive. I don't think he's.
0: I don't know. There Burkowski might be enough.
1: Burkowski's in. Yeah, Berg, right? there's
0: enough if, with the guys that are exempt. I I think there's there's probably enough to keep him around. So maybe I'm just overreacting to the fact the, that he didn't. Yeah,
1: the qu- the question will be Jost versus that, that because that, there's there's the conversation there. Because I think you Jost, think Comfort.
0: Do you think Comfort is good enough think, to protect? I,
1: I, I think JT is is, is going to be good enough to protect. I think the last two of the last spots are going to be between Jost, Berakovsky, and uh, um, Comfort. Those are the last three. And if I were picking two of them, I, I would almost rather let J.C. Confer leave. I know he he had incredible playoffs, but Joe has shown me a lot of times, and I think you can get more veteran presence up front other than Confer.
0: Yeah, I feel you know, like if Confer would have started
1: – Yeah, you got to also remember Seattle may figure something out. They want to do something different because – there's a yeah. scenario where Seattle needs a defender, or maybe they need a goaltender and they go out and, and they take. Uh, uh, what's uh, the guy we just traded from Minnesota? Not Minnesota. Oh, um,
0: Eunice Johansson from Buffalo. Oh,
1: no, no, not Johansson. The other guy.
0: Kemper. Dubnik. From- no,
1: Dubnik. Dubnik. Yeah, where they may want yeah. Dubnik. So I don't know. Yeah.
0: I, I think uh, if Comper would have started off his career a little bit more on the pace that he's on right now. Cause it took him a few seasons to actually get going and get to his potential level. It'd probably be a lot easier decision to keep him around. I don't know. I'd have to watch, I'd have to go in and actually study JT Confer and Tyson Joe's to what they bring to the game when they're on the ice to make that kind of a decision. Um, what about defensemen? Who who do you think are the, the untouchables? Obviously McCar is an untouchable uh, I think EJ is waiving his no-movement clause, so there's a chance that if we don't protect him, he could go in the expansion draft. Who are the defensemen that you think are non-negotiable? Yeah.
1: So defensemen, you only get to protect three of them. I think Taze, I think McCarr, and I'm, I'm going to say Sammy gi am going to say Gerard. Those are, those are my three guys. Oh. I, I, look, I, the thing with, with Eric Johnson, I think he'll still return because he's coming off of ACL and surgery. A season where he didn't play a single minute. Does Seattle necessarily want that? Like, I yeah. don't think they want that. It'll, I mean, like, that's that's something that, that they'll have to decide. But I've been seeing a lot of reports that they're one of the reasons why the Avs don't feel like they need to protect Eric Johnson is because they don't want – Seattle doesn't want him. I mean, that Well, in guy. an
0: expansion draft, uh, Graves is a lot more appealing than a guy like Eric Johnson at this at the moment.
1: Yeah, and then you get – that's thats the tough situation then because I think one of the defensemen will probably be taken because probably – I I want to keep Taze. Um, I really want – I mean, McCarr obviously a lock. It's Gerard and Graves, that's a conversation right there. There is a conversation. And I would, yeah. I would lean towards Gerard because hes he has he shown a lot of great spurts and you can always find a – because, look, that's what that's what this back line we were talking about. That's what this back line is missing. It's a bruiser. I don't know if Graves is that. You can find somewhere else in free agency or or trades or whatever that to replace Brian Graves. I don't think you'd be able to replace Gerard that easily.
0: Oh, his skating ability brings a different level to his game. That's why you keep him around because he's a 200-foot defenseman, and that gives you three. I think McCart, Taves, and Gerard can all lead the break from their own end. So I, I agree that and also Graves kind of played his way out of my favor in game six. Two shots blocked from the blue line in overtime to where Mark Stone just gets a free breakaway down at the other end of the ice when you had guys near the front of the net that could actually got something on goal. Yeah, we'll talk plenty more about the avalanche as they continue through the offseason. Let's start talking about the NBA playoffs and hopefully get to the Nuggets um, before we have to go to a break. If not, we'll talk about them on the other side. But, uh, you want to start Eastern or Western conference because we,
1: we, we can start the Eastern, because Eastern East. Is, okay. Eastern is all sorts of jumble, up. So, oh
0: so let's go with the games that the game that's on now, which is Milwaukee and Brooklyn. Milwaukee came back and won two games. So it's tied two two and they're leading game five, 91 85. As we're recording this with 10, 17 left in the fourth, uh, so, we, we both kind of said Brooklyn was unbeatable last week. Have they shown too much of the chink in their armor?
1: They're unbeatable when they're full, and they are not full strength. This team yeah. is five is – I'm going to say four players. They are Kyrie Irving, James Harden, Kevin Durant, and then I'll throw Blake Griffin in the conversation because he's played pretty well. There you go. I'll throw Blake yeah. in the conversation. Blake, Blake of the year. Blake, Blake of the year, Blake, Blake Griffin. Yeah, Blake of the year. But, man, if the Bucks are able to hold on for this game five, and go home game six. This would be a huge upset because look, Brooklyn doesn't have Kyrie, they, he's out for the rec- rest of the, the series. It seems, um, it was what the reports came out on Tuesday about. Um, and Harden came back for game five, but obviously, their, their defense is what's the killing them. This team is piss poor at defense, they they they, they do n- not stop a soul. And, and the Bucks have finally figured out what they want to do offensively. They have other guys stepping out outside of number 34, Giannis. Drew Holiday has stepped up big time. Chris Middleton has been playing really well. Brooke Lopez, a guy that was a former net as well, playing against his former team. He, he got shipped, to, shipped to, to La La Land because um, they didn't feel he was part of their future. And now he's on a contender playing against them in the playoffs. So if, if, I mean, as as the Nets are, are about to tie it up again, I mean, as when we get to the end of the show, the game will be over by then, so I'll, I'll say something quick about that. But this this Nets team, when they're at full strength, they're unbeat, unbeatable, and the Bucks are just doing what they can to stray, stray by. I would not be surprised if this goes seven.
0: Yeah, I think this is going to show us I think Kevin Durant still has to win a playoff series kind of on his own in a marquee situation. He's always won it when he's on the better team. And right now he's got 33, 15 and nine in, and they just started the fourth quarter. So he's had a great game, but does his game necessarily translate? Like we know LeBron can win a playoff series by himself and win in playoff moments by himself. I think that KD kind of has to move into that situation because he's won the rings, but he had a hell of a supporting cast when he won the rings.
1: Like I, KD can still win playoff series by himself. He's in that conversation. He 100% is. The thing with KD is, like, he is an offensive weapon, but he's not a team player. Like he, he needs the other guy stepping up. His, when his shooting isn't going, it's not like he's out there facilitating, facilitating the ball. He's, not a, he's, he's holding on to it and, and letting everybody else go one-on-one. Kevin Durant is a damn good player. Don't get me wrong, but he is not a team player. And it's, it's not, not saying that he's not like a team, like a, like a group guy, but like he's not a person out there that will get you. I mean, he not, he's not going to get you a ton of assists. He's not going to facilitate as much. When the Nets are struggling is when he's not doing that. When they're doing well, he is being the facilitator and getting his teammates involved. And that's what we're seeing from tonight. I mean, he, you said he had 15 assists, right, up to this point, 30 yeah. 15. That's why this team is back in this game, because they, they need him doing that on a nightly basis. And he can't – Nine he, assists. He yeah, nine assists. So he hasn't done that on a nightly basis. But what he does, this team has a good chance to win games. So that's where Steve Nash comes in, and you got to figure out a way to get KD more involved in the offense and facilitating whether you get him into pick and roll situations with Blake or DeAndre Jordan, um, or you get him in situations where he, he's the pick and roll guy with Kyrie or James Harden, because that, that's where, that's how you can open the floor up more if you're the Nets. And I think, I mean, Steve Nash is a hell of a coach. He, I, mean, uh, I mean, I won't say a hell of a coach. He's a hell of a basketball mind. He's only coached from one yeah. season. So I'll, I'll hold up on that, but he's a hell of a basketball mind. He'll figure out ways to get Kevin Durant more involved into the game not just the scoring aspects.
0: This is a big test for him, too, because this was – I mean, there was a lot of discussion around him getting this job and was he really ready to be a head coach. Now this is going to – the series is turning out to be how is Steve Nash going to handle – it's its going to come down to his coaching, too. It's, he's going to need to put them in good situations. You say this series is going to go seven. Who are you giving the advantage to in game seven? Who do you think I'll, wins the I'll series?
1: Still, I'll still give it to Brooklyn. Because Brooklyn will have home court. And, man, I, I know who can, who will step up the series. I know Giannis will step up. I know KD will step up. I know James Harden will step up. There's two to one <laughs> right there. I don't know what I'm going to get from Middleton on nightly basis. I don't know what I'm going to get from Drew Holiday. I know what I'm going to get from James Harden and KD. And that's mm-hmm. why I give them the slight edge. If it goes seven, let alone, let alone them in the series. That's why I still give Brooklyn the edge. I mean, look, I, w- I hope Milwaukee wins because I, I still want all the big cities out of the playoffs. I don't. I would rather the Bucks make some noise. That city's been through enough. Talking about with all the air Rodgers stuff. Talking about a terrible city that's been through a lot. Us and Milwaukee. Poor Milwaukee man. The, the well, Bucks we're getting is- our asses kicked in
0: the stands too, so that's why yeah. we take that one.
1: Yeah, so they got to figure it out. If they can get production from everybody else, then they'll be just fine.
0: It'd be strange to see how that one goes. If it is Milwaukee, uh, ESPN, if it's Milwaukee, Adam Silver is going to make a call and make sure that Los Angeles makes it through on the other side. He's like, "I I cannot have Utah, Phoenix, Milwaukee, and Atlanta as my final four teams left. Come on, man. I
1: would love that but the NBA would be turning over it's
0: grave. I don't think that they would let it happen. We already know that the re- officiating in the NBA is suspect no matter what.
1: We'll get to that in a moment. But God damn Yeah.
0: yeah. The, we'll get to a lot in, in a moment because there's a lot that we have to talk about with that whole situation. But let's talk about the worst shooting half by any team in NBA history. And the Atlanta Hawks have tied the series at two games apiece. Not,
1: not, not only just a team, over twelve from Joel Embiid.
0: Yeah,
1: that's not that's your that's MVP. your MB- That should be your MVP. Over like, twelve, really? Like like look you, look he he he's on a me- torn meniscus or whatever. So I'll, I'll give him some credit, but like holy crap, this Sixers team—they're about to blow it again, again.
0: This that Hawks would be team amazing.
1: Is far inferior. No offense to the Hawks, but they are far inferior. There's times where Clint Capella looks like freaking Hakeem Olajuwon out there against this terrible Sixers defense, and then there's times where he looks like Michael candy That's a name for real, true basketball fans know because he has a number one overall pick, one of the biggest busts in NBA history. And and man, look this Hawks team—they gotta—they gotta step up. They gotta figure out how they're gonna slow down. Um, Tobias Harris, because obviously slowing down beat is easy. Ben Simmons can't shoot if his life depended on it. They're not relying on those two guys, and the Hawks right now are just saying, screw it. They mean Everybody's counting us out because it's Philly, and they have Embiid and Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons very well may be, look, this is early in his career. Don't get me wrong. Ben Simmons could very easily be one of the most overrated players of all time. He is. He's, he's on pace with that. He keeps playing like this where he has no jump shot ever. His defense is good. Don't get me wrong. His defense is very good. But, like, his inability on the offensive end, you can't play him at the end of games. I mean, look, you want to talk about Shaq and and, and, and what, how he, well, he couldn't shoot free throws either. Shaq still found ways to make sure he was up at the end of the game where they weren't fouling because it was over. Like, look, we are far past that in today's game. And, and Ben Simmons – he is a practice superstar. And he can't do anything when it gets to the game time. His stat lines, look, you want know, to talk like, like he, if he doesn't produce offensively at all for this team, the Philadelphia 76ers are going to continue to be a, a second round exit. You want to talk about one of the biggest mistakes during the regular season at the trade deadline. I mean, if I if, if Philly had James Harden right now, like They'd be, like, really – they'd be – I mean, they're already a number one seed, but they'd be one of the title favorites. And they were reluctant to give up on Ben Simmons because of James Harden. That very well may bite them in the ass.
0: I mean, Ben Simmons the other night, 11, 12, and 9. So, it's not like he had a terrible game, but – if you go to the free throw line, it's the same thing. That's why Giannis has been getting knocked out in the playoffs in in the second round because all all you have to do is foul him and make him go shoot free throws, and he may, misses half of them.
1: It. it takes all ten seconds to shoot the free throw.
0: Well, yeah, that's that's incredible. I mean, I suck at free throws, but I just get them out of the way. I don't waste everybody else's time watching me dribble. Like, okay, I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna make it. Brick, don't even don't even get close. Not. I have about as much offensive abilities as Ben Simmons does. That's putting it. Yeah. It's a little bit of a stretch, but not necessarily all that
1: much. His is scoring, like, he is, a, he is not a number two. He's a number three on an offense. Like, he, he, he is not – like, Philadelphia is going to need something else. They either need Tobias Harris to, to, to be the number two guy or something else because Ben Simmons is not a number two type player on the offensive bench.
0: Is Chris Bosh a good – comparison for him
1: to, to ben simmons no no no. no, no. I, would, I don't know I would,
0: anything about chris Bosch's offense oh, i know no, about just, him rebounding
1: no no chris bosh's was was a post-up nightmare he was he was a really when he got to miami he was a damn good shooter too so that is just because they're lefties and they kind of shoot the same no not at all i would um oh man i can't really think of can't really think of it think of one because most of the good, great point guards of all time were all Good shooters at some point, like, like like Ben Simmons. I would argue maybe a Sean Marion. Sean Marion is was a player that had the ugliest shot in NBA history. <laughs> First of all, the ugliest shot in NBA history, where he just flicked the ball and it was just terrible, and it would go in half the time. But his defense is what got him so far down league. But but Sean Marion was never a number one on a team. He was a number. Three in Phoenix with Steve Nash and Mark Sotomayor. And he was the number four, honestly, in Dallas when he was with Jay Kidd, um, Tyson Chandler, Dirk, obviously, and then also Jason Terry. Like, like he, he was never a number one or number two guy, but he was a successful player for a long time. By no means is Ben Simmons, Sean Marion, because Sean Marion could easily shoot, but that's what the, the career trajectory could end up being.
0: Yeah. Well, that's this segment of Jimmy doesn't know what he's talking about when it comes to the NBA is brought to you by Chris Bosh. I apologize for slandering your offensive abilities. New, uh, newly, please newly don't
1: crowned uh, NBA Hall of Famer Chris Bosh. He's going there to go next year. So shout out Chris Bosh.
0: Yeah, no, I love Chris Bosh. And he's he's a part of the, one of the best sports highlights in history, which we'll have to talk about a little bit later on in the show, because with the playoffs now over, which we weren't we expecting we, all, all yeah, this early
1: we, we, we we'll have a little bit of time to start making new
0: content uh, but let's talk about Utah and Los Angeles before we head into the break and we'll talk about the Nuggets and the Suns in four guy uh, on the other side but Utah won both games they won both games at home right it's yeah. the same situation as the last series where only the home teams won so far
1: yeah, they both went 2-2. Two two. Or, no, the, the against the Clippers, it was uh, the away team won every single game, except game seven. But now it's 2-2, two, two, um,
0: Utah. And home Atlanta. team. Okay. What what are you seeing from Utah? Are they going to blow this thing, or is it just – because the Clippers, they, they're doing the old uh, – I can't remember. I think it's Kirk Goldsberry or something that was on, pardon my take, and he said that a lot of coaches use their best defensive players. They don't actually play them on the guys that they know – They're going to end up on until you absolutely have to because you kind of rest them a little bit more. I mean, you obviously know more than I do, but when you're playing tough defense, is that a lot more tiring than when you're just playing kind of offense against whoever?
1: So so it's similar in hockey. When you make it when you make star players just play at the defensive end constantly, make them lock up. Their offense obviously slowed down a little bit. But you talk about Kawhi Leonard. Like one of the one of the best players of all time. We talk about the funny jokes. LeBron down three one. You want to talk about Jordan after after getting the flu in a basketball game, or, or uh, Lou Williams after hitting up the strip club, or I mean, look, one of those. Now you can talk about Kawhi Leonard after being down 0-2. He does this pose where he leans forward on his knees and just has his look in his eyes, like it, it's it's the Terminator. I, he was down 0-2 against uh, um, Golden State when he won the won the ship in, in Toronto. He was down 0-2, I think against Philly too in the conference yep. semis last like, two three years. Another one of the
0: greatest sports highlights of all time.
1: Yep. So like Kawhi is a bad dude, man. He he, he look his legacy is on the line. Like like we want, like we, look we, we can say Kawhi's, Kawhi has done a lot already, but like if he's unable to get this team to at least a Western Conference Finals it could be a knock to his legacy because you want to talk about what he did in San Antonio without Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, he doesn't win anything in San Antonio. Don't get me wrong. First of all, second Toronto talk about the supporting cast they had and place it, playing a golden state team that didn't have Clay Thompson or KD in the finals. That's a little bit of a, tar- I mean, it, look, it's, a, it's not in, in all sense, but it's a little bit of a tarnished championship in my opinion. And, now, if he can't even make it out of the second round, we could say that Kawhi was, was the luckiest, one of the luckiest players of all time. He, If he is able to get this organization out of the gutters and get them into at least the Western Conference Finals, maybe even the finals, his, he could be solidified as a top 10 player of all time. That's, yeah, that's, a, that's a big praise, I know, but that there's a very good conversation for that. And he is single-handedly making sure that he can do everything that is possible to make sure that
0: happens. He's on the very short list of a guy who's won finals MVP with two different teams. I think LeBron James. And uh, I don't know if anybody else has actually. Yeah.
1: I think think LeBron is is the only one at the top of my head. I can think of. Yeah.
0: He's done it with three with uh, Los Angeles and Los Angeles, Miami and Cleveland. So Kawhi is going for that. And you're, you're exactly right. He's doing everything in his power. He finished the night plus 14 with 31 points, only nine of 19 from the field, but he was 10 of 13 from the free throw line. So he was, he was earning his buckets and the Clippers walked away with 118-104 victory at home. Do you see, does Utah have a way that they can battle back in this thing and make sure that they don't blow you this, get, blow this yeah, series?
1: You, you get Mike Conley back. That's how you win this series. You get Mike Conley back healthy and you get him in the series. Cause without him, they lose the series. I, I'm being frank with you. Like, they're not winning this series without Mike Conley. Mike Conley's been injured all playoffs long. You get him back in that starting lineup, this team is a different level. Don't get me wrong, Don Mitchell is a bad man. We know this firsthand. We saw mm-hmm. what Don Mitchell was capable of in the first round last year. He is doing it again.
0: Creating 50-point nights with Jamal Murray. Yeah. Jamal
1: Murray, he, he's doing that again on a nightly basis. He is the catalyst for that offense. And Rudy Gogurt has been playing pretty well defensively. But right now, they don't have answers in their second unit because they're having to have guys like Jordan Clarkson, who is a great second-unit guy who is not stepping up in the playoffs because of the injuries in the backcourt already. If you're a – look, w- between Bogdanovich, um, Donovan Mitchell, and, and uh, oh, who do they start? Royce O'Neal are the three starting forwards. All three of those guys. you're talking about a great defender, Royce O'Neal. You talk about two a knockdown shooter in Bogdanovich and a guard in Donovan Mitchell, who's who's special. That's just put, that's just, frankly put it special. And then you add in Gobert, who is Defensive Player of the Year, and you throw in Mike Conley, who's a veteran guard. Utah has all the pieces, but we're running into the situation like last year's playoffs, where the Jazz just just don't get it going at the right time. And if they are unable to um, get Mike Colony back and get some leadership on the floor, they could be they could be done in six years, the clips.
0: So who do you have more faith in uh mental toughness wise? Because we talk about the Clippers and then we also talk about, I mean the Jazz blew a three-one lead, remember in the bubble, the Clippers also blew a three-one lead. So who, who, if, if who, talking, who do you think is I'm actually
1: mental toughness? The one per there's only one person that comes to mind is Kawhi Leonard. That's the only person I see on either on either team that has the mental toughness to get his team over the, over the, over the hump.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: I don't see it from PG. I don't or PG 13. I don't. Donovan Mitchell has great performances, but he hasn't been able to really win big, big games to him by himself. Gobert is not that good offensively when they slow him down. Like it's, 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 I trust Kawhi Leonard. I hate saying that, but I do. And, and that could bite them in the ass because if they rely too heavily on him and no one else steps up, I mean, Reggie Jackson has been playing really well in this place postseason. If they get nothing else figured out, then they could be running into trouble again. And Kawhi Leonard could be out the door.
0: Uh, real quickly, before we go to a break, res- you want to respond to Stephen A. Smith saying that this is the best Utah Jazz team that's ever been on the floor? Do we want to remind him of the mailman and John Short Short Stockton?
1: They're also they also said Donovan Mitchell is the greatest Utah Jazz player of all time. I'm not gonna put that there yet. He could be. He very well could be. I mean, I said that I mean I, I, I think Jokic at the end of his career is gonna be the greatest ever nugget of all time. I think Donovan Mitchell could be, but but John Stockton and Carl Malone have every record you can talk about. Unless Utah makes the championship. They're always going to be a footnote in this in, the, in that organization with those these players.
0: Imagine how un, insufferable that fan base would be if they actually won those championships against Jordan, if they were the team to beat Jordan in the finals with Carl Malone and John Stockton. I can't even imagine because they're already, I can't stand them already. U, Utah Jazz fans are pretty, pretty out, out there and pretty obnoxious, but uh, I can't. Even I know that this isn't the best Utah Jazz team. I know that the team back in the 90s, they even had more success. This team has not even made it to a conference final, let alone an NBA final. So we'll talk when they get to that point. I think Stephen A. Smith was just going for more headlines, more clicks, Uh, as he normally does. That's going to bring us to our break. We'll hear a message from our partners at Fanatics and the High Alpine Brewing Company. And when we come back, we'll talk about this Denver Nuggets season and wrap that up. Then we'll get into our segments and finish out episode 45 of the far end of the bench here on the unhinged sports network bench warmers of the unhinged sports network. We have business to tend to. We are still partnered with fanatics, the home for any kind of sports merchandise that you can think of And Nico, tell the people what they can find if they go to the Fanatics app in our bio at FEO pod.
1: We got so much stuff you can get on Fanatics right now. NBA playoffs are about to start. NHL playoffs are starting as well. Both teams, you can get any of your gear from Fanatics. Go get your jersey and fair team. If your team wins a cup, go get your Fanatics gear. Uh, Go get uh, get the championship gear on Fanatics, excuse me. Um, We have baseball starting up as well. Our Rockies aren't the best, but you know what? There's all-star game gear on Fanatics. So if you're in the Colorado area you want to go get um some all-star game gear go to the fanatics the our fanatic shop and as well man the nfl draft just started i know jimmy's got his joe burrow yes, jersey why don't you go get a jamar thing. chase one now those icy whites or go get yourself a trevor lawrence when jersey justin fields called, or bro. even if you're a bronco fan get you a Patrick tan number two
0: Yeah, there's a lot of great stuff. If you're a sports fan and you're not getting merchandise from Fanatics, I don't know what you're waiting for at this point. The best place to get all geared up, anything that you could want, any sport, any team, it helps out the Unhinged Sports Network as well. Nico, the best part about 2021 and things starting to open back up again has to be...
1: I mean, it's the bars opening up, man. We got the Nugs and Avs in the playoffs. And where where else am I going to go watch them than our friends up at High Alpine Brewing, don't you think?
0: I mean, it's a lot better than the alternative that we had to do last year, sitting at home, watching by yourself, and drinking beer. Now you can go out to one of the best, youngest breweries on the western slope of Colorado, out there in Gunnison, the High Alpine Brewing Company, and you can enjoy a great handcrafted beer brewed in the back of the brewery, actually. They hand brew all of their different recipes that are on the menu get a nice pizza sit down and watch some playoff basketball or playoff hockey with i think one of the coolest communities in the state of colorado they also just opened up their patio seating so be sure to go check out scott and the high alpine brewing company you can check them out on social media at high alpine brew and if you're ever in that area it'd be worth the drive to go take a little bit of a scenic route to gunnison and enjoy a nice cold beer and some playoff sports with high alpine brewing company Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, the Far End of the Bench podcast, episode 45. We are close to episode 50. We're close to the Nico Bryan episode once we get to 48. And then when we hit 52, we got to have something special planned for that week because that'll be our one-year anniversary episode. So we'll have our regular show. And then I'm, I'm thinking I got some ideas rolling around in my head as to what we're going to do celebrating that. Uh, but what you guys should do to celebrate one year of our show is go help us out and uh, – Use our, our Fanatics link to go get all of your your favorite teams' jerseys and whatever else gear. It's baseball season now. It's officially baseball season. We can say that. Nico's rocking his Rockies jersey that uh, you can get on Fanatics. All-Star, All-Star game, game is coming.
1: Facts, uh, All-Star Game stuff you can go check out. We'll be there. We'll have content for all that when that comes around in a few weeks. So, um, yeah, go get yourself some Rockies gear or some Yankees gear, even though they suck too, Jimmy.
0: <laughs> well, you know. When you have a guy that your owner doesn't fully agree with as your manager, things can't go right. Because uh, he was quoted as saying, he was asked, do you think Aaron Boone is the right manager for this team? And he was quoted as saying, well, this is the bed that we made, so we're just going to lie in it. Doesn't necessarily bode confidence. But, yeah, you can get Yankee stuff on Fanatics as well. And uh, if you're on the western slope of Colorado, check out the High Alpine Brewing Company. It'd be one of the best decisions that you've made. Great beer and, and a great view sitting up at 7,000 feet, but now from 7,000 feet all the way, we fall gracefully down to the Denver Nuggets. But let's not – I'm not, I'm not going to put it that way because we do have to talk about the good thing that happened. It was Friday night or Saturday when he was gifted Friday, his MVP Friday, trophy? Friday night. Nikola Jokic gave about the MVP speech that you thought he would. 15 seconds, this, is, this award is not for me. This award is for everybody else up here. Give them a round of applause. And then he took his trophy, put it on the sideline. He got ready to go into his, his layup lines. That's uh, that's why we love the Joker. Um, but, man, this series was difficult. It was going to be difficult no matter what. And it really – the Denver Nuggets were out of steam.
1: Oh, my gosh. It, out of steam is to put it nicely. <laughs> like look, the Suns were far and away the better team. Far and away the better team. They were – People want to. People were counting them out against the Lakers, and I was not one of them. I still think this that team was so damn good. There's a reason why they're the number two seed. This Phoenix Suns team, top to bottom, is just complete. You have a veteran point guard. You have a young center that's 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 really fun to watch. And DeAndre Ayton. You, and of course you have D book who is who is just unreal too. And man. You want to talk about the memes like the the, the Suns and four guy the 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 Suns kicking ass for four games, then we can get to we'll, we'll get to get we'll get to the end of game four because that was bullshit also, um, but the yeah. Suns throwing through were a better team every single game, every single game. There was there was nights like look, Jokic's stat line was the combined stat line of the whole starting lineup. Which means so if you if you're not picking up what I'm saying, Jokic put up thirty-two points, twenty rebounds, and ten assists. The whole rest of that starting lineup in game three or minor game two. Yeah. I'm not sure. Was it game, I think it was game three. Game three. The rest of the starting lineup in game three put up twenty-eight points, ten rebounds, and six assists. One guy in your starting lineup produced more than your whole rest of your starting lineup combined. There was no help. None whatsoever. Faku disappeared. Austin Rivers disappeared. Michael Porter Jr. had spurts, but he disappeared. Aaron Gordon was terrible. And I mean terrible. The dude couldn't guard a soul. And then he went oh for fucking ten. Like like we brought you in for one reason. To to play defense and, and then get you rebounds and get easy buckets. He was trying to do stuff like, "Oh, I'm bigger than you, so I'll just go in the post and do a post spin away, jump shot." That ain't going to fly. Like th- there was, there was. I mean, it took. Look, I love Michael Malone. Michael Malone is one of my favorite coaches in the league. He, I think he's a damn good coach for the Nuggets. But like, it took way too long to switch the starting lineup up. At no point should should have Austin Rivers and Faku have been the starter, starting guards all the way up until game four. They should have been pulled out game two. It should have been Monte. Yeah. I mean, look, Will Barton came back after Game Three, but Monte and Will Barton should have been your starting back court. And 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 we may have won one game. Like like I I'm sitting here like just I mean disgusted obviously that we didn't win one game, but like I know we didn't have a chance. We 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 worked our asses off against Portland to grind out a series win, but Phoenix was just too damn good.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't see this necessarily just kind of like the the same way that I don't see the avalanche and the way they ended their season as a step back. It's a a round earlier than you ended the season last year, but I think being able to win the first series in less than seven games is a huge step forward for this franchise and the way that they did it. Uh, Talk about an all-star team performance in round one. And then you got guys like Aaron Gordon and Monte Morris posting minus 14 and minus 17 in game four of the series and you end up losing. I don't want to skip over the Suns and four guy. And and I kind of want to give a little bit of a background as to that video in case some of our listeners haven't seen it. I'm sure like all your friends, I'm sure that guy is all your friends from GCU's best friend at this point. He's like, he's the embodiment. Yeah. He's the embodiment of the Phoenix suns fan base at this point, but uh, two guys in matching Jamal Murray jerseys, which, all, all already off the bat, that's a little bit weird. This chubby guy in the Suns jersey in the retro Steve Nash, the two guys in the Nuggets jersey try and sucker punch him. He basically goes, got your chain, and hockey hockey fights him, and is feeding him uppercuts while laughing at the other guy and, and running him off. And as they're running off, he turns back, and the chubby kid's like, Suns in four, Suns in four. And this was at the end of game three. The Suns then came back to ball arena, beat us in game four, Thus, Sons and Four guy now lives in infamy on the internet forever, and uh, Denver got their national attention, and this is what happened.
1: Yeah, his, his life has been made. His life has been made. Look, as as a person that that was a huge Stephen Ash fan when I was a kid, I loved watching Stephen Ash Phoenix. Phoenix was was was. I would at one point was like my second team. Because I, I I loved watching Steve Nash, Maris Sotomayor and the seven sec or ten seconds or less offense with D'Antoni, like they, they when the Nuggets were, were struggling, um I always had ha- loved Steve Nash. So I I rooted for them a little bit, and mm. they sucked. Look, they they sucked for a lot of years. They, they were bad, bad, bad. Like like number one, Steve bad. They were a disgrace. Devin Booker put up seventy one points in the game. And they lost by 20. <laughs> like like this was his like second year in the league. He put up 70 points in the game, and and they lost. Got their ass kicked by 20 points. That's how bad the Suns team was. Like they were not good. And as so as 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 painful as it was to watch and be against my team, my my the team I rooted for my whole life and been a fan of, I. Feel what the Suns are going through. I felt that last year when we came back from three-one. That excitement, that Nugs and seven, where I, when we were down three-one. I was yelling Nugs and seven everywhere. I mean, I wasn't at the games, but I was still yelling at the top of my lungs. Nugs and seven, Nugs and seven, against Utah, against the Clippers, and the Suns. They look as as much as as much as we're down as Denver sports fans. It's it's good to see some mid market teams. If this was the Lakers and we got swept, I'd be so fucking pissed. I'd be so pissed. I would have been fuming. Because it's the Suns and and, and and the amount of people I've met in the organization. I've met James Jones, who who, who is their general manager, who's done a fantastic job. He played with Chris in Miami. I, I've met some of the ticket sales, some of the people in there when I worked at, when I when I was at GCU, I got to meet them. So I am very, very excited for the city of Phoenix, but it's just unfortunate. It's at the expense of my nuggets. And, and I knew it was going to end. I knew it. I wasn't sure if it was going to be at the first round, the second round, the third round, the fourth round. I didn't know what it was going to be, but without Jamal Murray, this team, this team, this team outperformed by far and away though. You had a 30 year old rookie and a guy who was cut and two players who are two way guys play m- meaningful minutes in the playoffs. And you still knocked off Damian Lillard and the Portland trailblazers and got to the second round. I'm still a diehard Nuggets fan till I die. And I, and I'm proud of the way this team fought. I mean, on the court, we didn't fight very well in the stands, but I'm proud of the way this team fought.
0: Well, we've said it. We have a spin zone for that whole situation Instead of having the fight be way up in the nosebleeds, it should have been taking place because Jokic's brothers look like they needed some fresh meat that they needed to run through. First of all, they're both also six seven and six eight. I don't, however tall that they are, but they have filled out a little bit more. You can tell that they didn't let Jokic eat while they were growing up, and they are just—they look like Serbian mobsters, and they have tattoos that where I would be like. The one on the one brother that comes up out the collar of his shirt, it gives me chills. I was like, that guy earned that tattoo. It wasn't given to him. He earned that tattoo.
1: Those two brothers, look, they, they, those three brothers grew up in the worst part of Serbia. Like they were not, not, not good whatsoever. And, and you want to talk about brotherly love. Those two older brothers took everything. And took everything and made sure Jokic's or I can't say Jokic's because they're all Jokic. The they, the, the, Nicola, Nicola, yeah. Nicola, Nicola's life uh, the right way because I knew he was special. They didn't know he was this special. They had no idea. But when they hugged him after the MVP trophy, it, I mean, it was beautiful to see because because those brothers are passionate. They are they are <laughs> extremely out there. They 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 are the definition of an older brother. They were Mm -hmm. if it weren't for security and getting arrested again, (laughs) they would (laughs) have ran on the floor and kicked the shit out of Devin Booker. And there wasn't a damn thing Booker could have done about it because this 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 isn't no five foot eight fan in a stand. (laughs) <laughs> like this is this like, you want to talk about with Mal's the pals and the guy who popped on Westbrook and the guy who spit on the Knicks all those dudes would have got their ass kicked by any of those players there ain't no one on the floor in the arena that's messing with Yoke or Nicola's brothers I'll tell oh, you that oh.
0: Nemanja and uh, Strahinja
1: Nemanja, yeah Nemanja and Strahinja
0: or something. Nemanja and Strahinja I have here we want to talk about that brotherly love uh remembered Nemanja remembered Nikola mainly as the little kid Strahinja used to terrorize, tossing him from one bed to another in the family's small apartment, often during heated games of plastic mini hoop. He once held down my arms and threw knives all around my head. So this is the kind of life that they enjoyed as the three three brothers growing up in the middle of the Serbian uh, ghettos. And, and they, I mean, that was. I think that's a cool moment as an older brother like myself. I've obviously been that way at uh, my younger siblings' events. But I think they they were the one silver lining in this whole situation for the Denver Nuggets because for as much crap as we're getting for the sons and Four guy, everybody was like, Nicole, Jokic's brothers look like they want all the smoke. And Jokic's I
1: brothers would have kicked the shit out of the sons and Four guy. That would have been a two-round two round debacle. But before we move on to everything else, I want to talk about this fucking flagrant two shit. Because, boy, and the reason for Jokic or Nikola's brothers – I keep saying Jokic. Nikola's brothers. The Jokic family. Yeah, Jokic family getting pissed off. So, first of all, was it a flagrant foul? Yes. It was malicious. It was intense. But he he was one inch away from hitting all ball. What is – so he made a play on the ball. He makes a play on the ball, and, and you call that a flagrant too. He hits him in the face. He does. It's a flaker one. It's two shots in the ball. It's not kicking the motherfucking MVP out of the game. Look, there was we were we were losing in that game. And 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 any chance of pride, any chance of, of ability of getting one game at home was out the window. You don't kick the MVP out of the fucking playoff game where it's a fucking uh win or go home. You don't. I saw a similar fucking foul that Ben Simmons did the day after where he clotheslined the guy out of midair, and it was a flagrant one. This is why the NBA does such a shit job of fucking promoting the lower-level teams, the mid-level markets. We don't, we don't fucking talk about in the NFL, about how Kansas City is such a small market. Of, oh, they're winning. They're in the Super Bowl. That sucks for the league. We don't talk about Tampa Bay being, oh, it's the Buccaneers. Like, it's a small market. Who cares? The NBA has done such a piss poor job at promoting the mid markets that, that we, we, they, they don't show any love to anyone. I have a bad feeling if the Clippers win the, fir- win the, win the series against Utah, that Phoenix is going to run to the exact same thing. There, you tell look, – look, anyone that thinks I'm a biased fan for this, you tell me one thing. If LeBron James does that same fucking foul, is it a flagrant two? Is it? Because it's not. And that's the end of the discussion right there. That's the end of the discussion right there. You're wrong if your opinion, you think, that's a flagrant two? Did he – look, look, did he fa- – was it a flagrant foul? Yes. Was it warranted to be kicked out of the game? Absolutely the fuck not. That's, that, that that got me so pissed off because, look, there, there's a sense of pride. There's a sense of, you know what, we're getting our ass kicked. And winning one game at home would have ju- jubilated the fans a little bit. Would have You know what, we got one game. On your home court, and then you lose game five, whatever happened, whatever. But, like, that bullshit of, of a flagrant two foul, I have seen so far worse. So far worse. And, and, and you, the inability to, to, to fucking promote your star players on local teams like Devin Booker, like fucking Nicole Jokic, like Donovan Mitchell. The only reason why the media and ESPN is talking about them is because they have to. Because fucking LeBron's out. I, Bleacher Report is posting videos of LeBron, Jared Dudley, Jared Smith at, at Bronny's games in Sierra Canyon. Instead of giving Jokic any love, instead of giving Donovan Mitchell any love, it is utter bullshit. It is. You have opportunities to promote your fucking players. It's given to you. It really is. It's right in front of you. you they, they, we should not be having a conversation of, well, the NBA finals is a wash if LA or New York isn't in the finals or Chicago or Philly. It's a wash. That should never be the discussion. That's why the NFL has made it to where it is. Because maybe it has been such an inability to ever promote their mid-market teams. That's why LeBron left Cleveland in the first place. It's why Melo left Denver. And the list goes on and on. Because they don't get any love in Denver or Cleveland. Unless they win a championship, which LeBron fucking did because he's one of the greats. Like, like that call, were the Nuggets going to win that game with Jokic? I don't know. I don't know. We made a comeback. I'll tell you that. That team was fighting. Even after Jokic got ejected, they were fighting. And if Nikola Jokic was in the game, maybe we win that game. And maybe we push it to five games. And then maybe we lose. Maybe we make it longer. But the MVP in the league, you want to build a star? You want, teams to, you want fans to watch games? You're losing viewership on these mid-level games. People are only tuning into the Brooklyn games because it's fucking Brooklyn. Your, your inability to promote stars is what's hurting the game. And there's re- like, I love Jokic. I love everything he stands for. And no place on earth is that ever a flagrant two foul and an ejection, ever.
0: Yeah. Sorry, I think
1: for about five minutes there. But that that was one <laughs> of the dumbest things I have ever seen in, in a basketball game in my life.
0: I, it was a good preview to off the hinges. I don't think that there was anything wrong about what you said i don't understand how they can give them the mvp trophy and then kick them out for that same reason it's a foul obviously it's a foul it's a playoff foul it really you could argue at some point in different eras that wouldn't have even been whistled or it would have been but it would have just been a shooting foul or something like that um yeah it's crazy before we get into our uh, partnership segments let's do bench warmer of the week and most dominant team of the week and we'll start with bench warmer of the week my bench warmer of this week is Ryan Glasnow, the ace for Tampa Bay. He came out earlier, so this is not part of why he's benchwarmer of the week, but he did partially tear his UCL, which is the ligament. If you've heard of Tommy John surgery in baseball, it's basically a pitcher's nightmare, uh, minimum 16-month recovery. Most of the time it's more like 20-month recovery. Uh, he partially tore his UCL, but now he's coming out and blaming it on the MLB cracking down on the foreign substance rule that they have against pitchers because he said he used to use sunscreen. And then two starts after he didn't use sunscreen anymore, his arm felt a little funky. So since he couldn't cheat, he ended up tearing his UCL in his elbow. So he's my benchworm of the week because that, that, that ain't weird. right.
1: That whole situation is just so weird. I, I understand like some sort of thing to grip it, but I also saw a picture of the stick em, and a guy was holding the ball with two fingers. And no, nothing underneath it, and the ball was just sticking. And I was like, "What the hell?" Like, like, like some, like, 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 I, Pete Alonzo had, had a great thing on it. It was like, I kind of want them to keep using it because pitchers are throwing harder and harder. And a hundred, and he got hit with a pitch, 99 mile per hour fastball to the to the back where the head. It looks like. And and pitchers are gonna we're gonna see a lot more wild pitches, we're gonna see a lot more of that because pitchers are throwing harder and they never figured out the mechanics of throwing hard and, and keeping it in the strike zone legally without yeah. stuff. I mean, I, I, I mean I specifically remember I mean, I don't watch much baseball. Let's let's put that out there. I think it's a known fact. But I remember yeah. situations where in the playoffs, like Panada or whatever had like that thing on his arm where like he rubbed it and then was throwing Arolda's it. Or rolled his
0: chapman. You've probably Chapman seen a this Chapman had to get kicked out because he had a big splotch of something on his neck.
1: Yeah, like I like that's been going on for so long. I don't know when it started. Maybe it was because like more recently. But like you want to talk about the steroid era? Well, now we're in the uh, uh, the foreign substance on the hand era. I that's, yeah. that's a terrible. The stick era. Twice. Yeah, stick-a-marrow, That's much better. That falls off the tongue a lot better. The stick-a-marrow, oh. the stick-a-marrow now. And I, I mean, look, I, I, don't, I don't know what to think about it. I, I mean, ball still. I mean, pitchers are pitching really well right now in the MLB. They, the the scoring runs has really gone down. But like, I I don't know what what to think of that anymore because it's just it's just so weird.
0: Yeah, Trevor Bauer is fighting the entire league and the fan base because everybody wants more home runs but they don't want the pitchers to be able to use foreign substances, so I don't know. Uh, what's Who's your bench warmer of the week for this week?
1: Well, it's just, it's just us. Like, it, it, it's Denver sports fans. Damn. That's that's as, that's as easy. Put as on blast as... on our own podcast. Uh, I'm putting us on blast because i, I got to watch baseball and, and the premier lacrosse league now. Like, I love the PLL. It's so much fun to watch, but, like <laughs> – I was expecting to watch playoff games for another, like, two weeks. Like, what am I supposed to do during the week now? I got to work. I mean, I'm traveling the next couple weeks. um, But, like, (laughs) what what am I supposed to do at night? Like, fuck. Uh, That, I don't know.
0: Oh, by the way, there's an update. We talked about the PLL guy last week getting his finger, uh, Gaudette, getting his finger bit off. I learned that the reason that he was able to get his finger bit off is because he was fish-hooking the guy that he was fighting. So I think at that point, you kind of deserve to get your finger bit, <laughs> and it just so happened to get your finger bit off. But I don't know what was going on because it was his middle oh, finger. So he had it deep in the guy's mouth that he was fighting, and he was fish-hooking him. So oh
1: my huh. God, what in the hell? you're coming
0: back with thing. less digits.
1: Yeah, no kidding
0: that that makes a lot more sense because, like I said last week, unless you guys were slap fighting, unless Lax Bros only slap fight, I don't know why your fingers would end up in the other guy's mouth. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. All right, let's uh, let's move into most dominant team of the week now, and you can go ahead and start most dominant team of the week because I'm I'm interested to hear this.
1: Most dominant team of the week. I know this is this is this is kind of weak, and it, it's it's a little. Um... It's 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 a weird one that I'm putting this as most common team of the week, but I'm gonna put it, put the Diaz brothers because the UFC card this past weekend was very entertaining, and Nate Diaz didn't win the fight. But holy fuck, those dudes are gonna make money for so mo- so long, so long. Like they they those like Nate Diaz puts on fights like like main card worthy like fight of the night performances every single weekend. And, hmm. and Nick Diaz does as well. And, and they, they lose fights, but they still make it to entertain as fuck. And look, I, like, Israel Adesanya, like, he, he dominated whatever. And then the Brandon Moreno, shout out Brandon Moreno for being the first Mexican-born UFC champion um, ever. So that's pretty cool. But Nate Diaz and Leon Edwards was a show. That was a show. <laughs> that was fun to watch and, and and as a fan of the sport and and people trying to get into the sport more UFC MMA um, Nate Diaz is going to keep this company afloat in their darkest times like he has been and he's going to continue to do that and so, same with Nick
0: yeah both NBA Diaz brothers are basically yeah. yeah they're just mercenaries now they just get thrown on the card because they it's going to be entertaining lead up and it's going to be an entertaining fight you see they ended up curbing it, but at the weigh-ins, did you see Nate's video where he's he just chain smoking blunts?
1: Yeah. That's because Arizona. And then they had- were. Arizona has the rules of, of the, the marijuana testing not being, like, 24 hours before or something, and that press yeah. conference was, like, two or three days before. He was chain-smoking, and it was hilarious.
0: And then somebody told him, you can do it, just don't do it on camera. So then he was, like, underneath the table, and smoke was just billowing out. <laughs> as he was, he was smoking like a stack. I don't know how he did anything. He was totally blasted out of his head. Uh, my most dominant team of the week it's, uh, I don't want to give it to the Golden Knights. So, what I'm going to do is I am going to give it to the Tampa Bay Lightning because they it's did come awesome back and they, they won tonight. Awesome.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you. Uh, yeah. So easy, that's it. No,
0: I mean, most dominant team of the week, Suns and four guy, because, you know, uh, future. Uh, yeah, predicting the future. Nobody wanted the Suns to get extended to five games more than the kid that was just eating those uppercuts. Like, in his head, he's like, please don't. Please just give us one game. Just one game. And then Jokic got kicked out, and he was probably sitting at his house like, no! This is going to be forever now. Uh, But, yeah, the Tampa Bay Lightning are my most dominant team because they came back and handled business and split the games at home. The Islanders don't play very well on the road, so this is kind of opening up nicely for – Uh, the lightning to start getting some of the breaks and then to go play in Long Island maybe steal a couple games on the road they look like they're kind of head and shoulders talent-wise better than New York as long as the Islanders don't get to play their game so Tampa Bay is my most dominant team of this week now let's move on to our partnership segments and that's going to be first what's brewing presented by the High Alpine Brewing Company do you want to kick this one off if you want me to go first because I, got, I, I found a pretty interesting one.
1: Yeah, I can kick this one off. So what's brewing the tennis goat debate? Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. So, so I mean, look, you want to talk about some of the greats in tennis. Roger Federer comes to mind. I think Roger is my goat because I love watching Roger when I was a kid. Roger was, I mean, look, I, I didn't play tennis a lot, but I did everyone out there. And I was, I played summer, played tennis every summer, so I love watching Roger. Roger, Rindall. Um, talk about Agassi, talk about McEnroe. Um, there's, there's, there's a debate now for Novak Djokovic. Also, another Serbian. <laughs> As a, so I could have, most dominant team league, I could have been Serbians because Jokic yeah. winning MVP and, and, and or Jokic winning MVP and then Djokovic winning the, the French Open. Boy, was I wrong because because I thought Nadal had it in the bag. And this, that semi-final match between Djokovic and Nadal was absolutely incredible. That is the one thing Federer hasn't done, that 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 very few, few people have ever done. And that's beat Nadal in France at the French Open on clay. That is a very very tough task. And now Jokovic has won four Grand Slam titles um, in one year, three times now. That is look you, look that that is Wimbledon, that that is the U.S. Open, that is the French Open, and oh god. That's going, going to bother me. I can't remember the last one, but that is the third time that he's won all three of those in one yeah. season. That is unheard of. Like, like, like Joko, Djokovic hasn't hasn't. I mean, I don't think he's. Uh, I mean, because Federer has all the Grand Slam total titles, and the record for all that, and 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 the same thing. But like. Jokovic at the end of his career could very well be in that conversation. So I think that's a pretty good, what's brewing the, the tennis goat debate for male, for male women's it's, it's no debate, Serena and Venus. And, but like the male goat debate is, is up for grabs.
0: I don't even know enough to even to try and debate with you. So I'm just going to let that ride. Um, but I do think I, I heard that it started brewing again and it's depends on how you look at things, but the fact that he beat doll on clay, and you said that, I mean, there hasn't been many people to be able to do that. It's pretty impressive. By what's brewing, I went a little bit differently than what you did. Uh, did you see that there was a golfer who got arrested over the weekend? A what? I
1: yeah. did not see this.
0: Uh, a golfer attempting to qualify for this week's Wichita Open on the Corn Ferry Tour was arrested after allegedly attacking another player during a qualifier on Monday. What? So, according what? to police, According to police, Luke Smith, who was said golfer trying to qualify for the Wichita Open, uh, punched the victim in the face and tackled him to the ground during a qualifier at Sand, Sand Creek Station Golf Course.
1: So so very uh, Happy Gilmore-esque is what you're saying? Is the price yeah. is wrong? Butch pops in here, the nose. <laughs> here,
0: here it goes. Uh, he held the victim down until he said uncle and then released him. <laughs>
1: That is Happy Gilmore in a fucking <laughs> nutshell. That's <laughs> that's a, that's a yeah. Happy Gilmore. Oh my. Happy God, did it to his
0: good. caddy. He didn't do it to. Uh, he did it to Bob Barker too. He was his. <laughs> golf is going wild in the last couple it. weeks.
1: Like, like that's that's bringing more eyes to the sport because because golf is fucking entertaining now. It's weird, weird, but like if Brooks and Bryson are in the same pairing, that's must-watch TV.
0: Like, we like, would like, have a very similar situation to this.
1: Yeah. Like, like Apparently that's hilarious.
0: Apparently as I'm reading this more, there was a third golfer who just stood off in the corner because he didn't want that guy to <laughs> make him say uncle. Oh He's like, God. no, you know what? Yeah, you can just go ahead and deal with him. Uh, I'm not. I don't yeah, want anything. Ahead, buddy. Wow.
1: That's you funny. know what? I'll save you it. the trouble.
0: Uncle. Oh
1: my gosh. That's funny. I did not hear about that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I just, I found that that's iron. one of those gems that I, uh, just happened to scroll through. I think I was looking for U.S. Open stories, and I I stumbled upon that one, and I'm much happier that I didn't find a U.S. Open story, and I found that one. Uh, So now let's move on. That was What's Brewing presented by the High Alpine Brewing Company. Let's move on to uh, Off the Hinges, which, like I said, you already gave a little preview with your uh, Jokic and the flagrant two foul from game four. But what are you gonna go off the hinges about? I'm interested to see what you got for
1: this one. Yeah, so that I, I I wanted to put that in the in the in the main topics because that was such an important thing to talk about, the Yokish figure 2. I could talk about that for fucking a, a two hours. I could I could do the whole a whole episode on why that's bad for the league and how the league has done a piss poor job. I could do two hours on that. So I wanted to save you all the grace because I already went on a five minute rant, so I got something else for my off the hinges. So first of all, backstory: Christian Erickson, guy from Denmark, went to cardiac arrest on the on the pitch, as a call. It. Shout out our friends from Unhinged FC, uh, or not Unhinged FC. Sorry. Insert name FC. There you go. That's the right name. Um, they they cover soccer over there. But yeah, he they had to re- resuscitate him on the field, which was which was uh, very very heroic because I mean his family was in the stands. He had his wife, his kids there, his parents there, and, and his teammates were. I mean. Shout out first of all to the broadcast also because there wasn't a single replay. That's how it should be. Like, like, like that's how it, everything should be. The uh, opposing
0: team circled up so that nobody would be able to see him too, right? See
1: too. Yeah. Like the, the opposing team and the, and the Denmark team all circled around him to make sure that nothing was being seen, that, that he had his privacy. And I, I think I applaud them so much for that. Um, but that is not the reasoning for my off the hinges my reasoning for the off the hinges is the UEFA forcing Denmark back on the pitch. So, so there was a rumor that came out that said UEFA. So if they're so, so the, 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 the uh, um, Europe, Europe, Europa league champions, whatever it's called. Um, they have a rule where if a player tests positive for COVID, they give the, they, they reschedule the match 48 hours after they told the Denmark team, that if you don't go back on the pitch tonight, you forfeit the game 3-0. That is is just fucking terrible. That is just so bad, man. Like, look – there was – the Denmark coach said we should have took the forfeit. There was, there, was no, there was no reason for us to be on that pitch after seeing that happen. We should, there was, all the players were, were shook. And there was no reason for to that game to be put on. But they were put back on the pitch three hours later. And, and the UEFA officials told them, it was like, if you don't go back on the pitch, you're forcing your, your hand to losing 3-0. Deficit. Which basically means that they were completely out of the tournament. Because, because I mean, when when it comes to group play for soccer, like you can lose a game 1-0, but like goal differential sometimes dictates if you get the second spot, and and them losing three zero, that just that would have just derailed their whole tournament, and and UEFA they ha- they're so corrupt. You talk about like some of the most corrupt organizations in the world, UEFA soccer is is just right up there. And them forcing those players back out on the pitch. Look, they came out and said they didn't force them, but there was players players' parents from Denmark that said they were basically forced back on the pitch and and and, and caught and and potentially facing a forfeit. That man, look, I, I'm very, very happy to see Christian Eriksen back back healthy. I mean he's not fully healthy, he's as good as he can be. He sent out a Twitter um, message to everyone on Tuesday, which was great to see, and that he he's doing better. But the fact of the matter is a man's life was resuscitated on the field, on, on the field. And you fucking decide that you're going to force the team at hand that to, to either take a forfeit or get back on, on the pitch. That's as low as you can get. And I am, I am, I don't expect anything from FIFA, UEFA officials as it is because they, they have been a, like, you go, like I don't even remember the name, but they had so much corruption for so long. And it's continuing and doing that just in there, like that, that, that's as low as you can get.
0: Yeah. I, the guy died. Like, the guy was dead on the field and they brought him back from the dead. And the fact that you go have a, it's difficult enough when a guy just tweaks his knee and isn't able to get off the field by himself. You, you saw, you were having to cover up possibly the fact that one of your teammates, and I believe, uh, I forget the, the guy's name who, who collapsed, but he's Christian the Erickson, captain, right? Yeah. Christian Erickson is a very prominent player for them and that's like their heart and soul. And yeah, he, he was he was dead on the field.
1: Yeah, he, he was a big he's a big, he was a big time player in the Premier League for Tottenham Hot Spurs. Yeah, I know some soccer knows. I know it's kind of wild, but yeah, he's a big time player for Tottenham and then he's 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 a player plays for Inter Milan now as well. And both both he was a he was a big time player for both teams and the amount of outpouring show of support all, of, all across every single ma- – all around the world between the Jap- Japan and A- the Asia qual- World Cup qualifiers and, and Japanese players to, all the way from England. Harry, Harry Kane, who was his teammate, the outpouring sport, was fantastic to see. I'm glad to see he's doing better. It's just unfortunate that UEFA always does some stupid shit like this.
0: Yeah. Uh, pretty, pretty unclassy and we'll stick with unclassy because my off the hinges uh, it really stemmed from seeing the stare down of Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury today, but it just, it brought back that, that feeling and that topic that we've been talking about boxing is dead. Boxing's biggest event in the past month and a half, which what we should be getting is getting set for the biggest heavyweight fight of all time to unify all three heavyweight championships and it'd be the biggest; it could sell out Wembley Stadium in probably a matter of two minutes between Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua. Instead, we have to get this third match between Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder that nobody asked for because Deontay Wilder's been outclassed in both fights that they've had before this. And now, your biggest event in boxing is Logan Paul going eight rounds with Floyd Mayweather. And then the week after that, uh, let's let's see. The week after that, this past weekend we had Aaron Carter fight Lamar Odom. Uh, which, you, you know, they weren't doing that just for fun. Um, I mean,
1: look, shout out Lamar Oden because, I mean, at this point we need to get Lamar Oden for Nate Robinson because, fuck, <laughs> oh, we're going have an all-day card. <laughs> and,
0: and then you also got the TikTokers versus the YouTubers. I did enjoy seeing Bryce Hall get his face punched in. That was yeah, that was a nice finishing yeah. touch.
1: Yeah, and the guy from FaZe Clan because I I'm a, I'm a gamer so I know about the game community. The guys from Phase oh, yeah. Clan knocking knocking to do that. I thought that was hilarious too. Yeah.
0: yeah. So I mean, I just it drives home that fact UFC is now the main combat sport that people are watching and boxing is just making itself more and more relevant. It's a snake eating its own tail and it's going to get to a point where nobody cares at at, at any at any point. That's Floyd Mayweather came out and said the reason he's taking these fights against Jake Paul and Logan Paul and and Conor McGregor is because he's like I just want to prove that the fighters aren't making shit. Like he just made probably two purses worth of an actual boxer's career, and he just did that in eight rounds, like a sparring session, glorified sparring session, because there's no judges. Nobody technically won or lost that fight,
1: unless someone else someone got knocked
0: out. Yeah. Well, I mean, the people who lost that fight were all the people. Did you watch – did you uh, – did you uh, – no? I did not watch that show. You, you, no. Did you uh, stream Fortnite with the boys? Because I, I heard that was the big stream that uh, made it through the entire event. It went I from like eight, 80 listeners to 8 million in the matter of 10 minutes.
1: I did not, I did not watch any of that. Yes, That was so rubbish. But going back to your five-minute stare down, I thought it was a joke. And then I looked at the, the 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 Twitter video. It was actually five minutes long. I look. Yeah. I didn't waste five minutes of my life watching it all because I just skipped through the video, and, and I was like, "Holy fuck!" They actually stood somebody's, gonna say, somebody's
0: like, gonna say something. Somebody's gonna say something.
1: They just fucking stood. Like, look, look, it, like there's 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 levels to this. Like, at some point, like the, there's the sportsmanship of of being the last guy on the ice for hockey or standing at. Uh, at the flag ceremony in baseball, on the line and being the last one there, like at some point, like somebody tell them just to fucking back off, like 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 five minutes, come on yeah.
0: man, that is just either like, fight right. now or say something. Don't don't just stand there.
1: Just don't just fucking put a mic in their hand. You just wasted so many people. Like people just lost five minutes of their lives for nothing. It was just fucking terrible. Yeah. Well, the whole
0: fight is a waste of time. Let's just put that out yeah, there, and this the fight entire fight.
1: Yeah, and this fight isn't until, like, middle of July, too. So what the yeah. fuck are we doing this for? <laughs> like, come I on. don't know. It's the
0: same reason that there's still odds up for Anthony Joshua versus Tyson Fury. Because I was looking at FanDuel today. They still have odds set up for that fight. I don't, I don't know. Boxing, you know what? At this point, fuck boxing. I'll watch the old school uh-huh. highlights, but.
1: I I wouldn't go as far as say fuck boxing, but I would go as far as saying that mixed martial arts is far and away going to take over the world of boxing. And I think people are now going to stop boxing and just do MMA. Boxing is not, is not the thing to do anymore. There is, there is nothing in it for anyone there. People are now going to start training MMA and MMA is going to take over. Like it already has been.
0: It's going to be, it's going to be back to that niche thing. And it'll be interesting to see if it comes. Boxing's come in waves. There's been different waves of boxing, so it's not like it can't come back. But it's we're definitely on a downswing at the moment, and that's unfortunate because there's a lot of really good fighters. Vasilo Lomachenko is a great fighter to watch. Javante triple, Davis, tr- but
1: Triple G, I mean Triple G is a fucking yeah. legend right now.
0: And Canelo uh, triple... might Canelo might be one of the best boxers of all time too.
1: Yeah, Canelo is, is Canelo is is should be fucking heralded. In, in Mexico across the United States for what he's done in the boxing ring, and no one gives a fuck. I, when look, we don't hear about about Canelo ever unless he's fighting, ever. Brandon Moreno, who just won the UFC fight, is being taught getting getting talk shows. He's getting he has murals in Mexico. He is getting all love in the world and rightfully so. And no one's fucking doing that because they because no one cares about boxing, and because it's become such a shit show.
0: Yeah. Let's move on because we can spend an even more amount of time talking about how terrible that's been. Um, But let's get to, I I feel like we, we, uh, I guess I do want to know what's on your screen, but for my what's on my screen, I'm just going to update everybody. The Redwoods and Waterdogs are tied record-wise, both at two and one and both have a one goal differential, a plus one differential. So, hey, it's not as bad. The Waterdogs, Took a little coaching from the first week and started putting shots on goal, and good things started to happen.
1: Jimmy talking lacrosse, ladies and gentlemen. If you would have told me two years ago, one year ago, let alone two years ago, that Jimmy would be talking about lacrosse and basketball, I'd be like, damn, what the fuck is wrong with the world?
0: (laughs) I guess, I guess, I mean, the world is pretty messed up, but that's
1: true. Yeah, I guess I'm influencing you pretty good, Jimbo.
0: Yeah, no, I, I do enjoy it. And this time we didn't get any five holes. Lyle Thompson wasn't making our goaltender look like he didn't know what he was doing. It was great. I enjoyed That's it. True. That's very true.
1: So my, what's on my screen. So first of all, I'm going to be watching the NBA playoffs. I probably won't be like, I'll watch some of the Stanley cup games, but I probably won't be watching much of the hockey playoffs. I just watch the highlights. We watch the NBA playoffs very closely, obviously the UEFA, the UEFA, um, Europa League, I'll be watching that because I watched some of that today. I threw some money on Germany and France to hit the under, and they hit the under, so that was fun. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be watching some soccer. But my, look, look, if, if you are on Twitter at all, you'll know this name, Hasbula. Hasbula, the little, the little Russian guy, is fighting this week against the, the guy that they hype him up for. Look, Hasbulla is a fucking legend. I love all the memes and everything he does on Twitter is hilarious. Hasbulla is – I think he's like 20-some years old, but he's really small. So I don't know – like I'm not, not going to sit here and act like I know what is, what's going on or how that all works out, but he took a picture with a Habib with the UFC belt and his little hat. I thought that was hilarious, and he's, he's fighting a guy that's, I guess, the same height, same age, whatever. And they're apparently fighting within the next three days. It's not confirmed, but like, but but people have been rumored that they that Hasbula on his Twitter account uh, announced that they're fighting in two to three days or something. So hey, that's that's my that's that's what's on my screen. I'm gonna find the stream of Hasbula, and I, and I can't wait to watch it because Hasbula is so funny, dude. It's, it's it's adorable because he's he's so small and just so cute. Um, and at the same time, he's 18 he, years old. Yeah, yeah, like, like, like he—he's he, hilarious. I can't wait to watch that. This is hurting my like, head. Like, like, it's—it's it's funny, dude. Hazbulla is a fucking legend, bro. With, with the picture <laughs> with Habib—that picture with
0: Habib was hilarious, dude. <laughs> why? I don't know why they picked him up. I don't know why he let them pick him up for that picture.
1: I don't know. 18. (laughs) Fucking hilarious, right? He's 18. 18. He
0: looks like a toddler in Khabib's arms. I know, right?
1: And he talks shit so well, too. I mean, look, they have to translate it all to English because he doesn't speak English. But it's fucking hilarious.
0: (laughs) This is the cutest stare down I've ever seen. I know, And it's between two teenagers. (laughs) It looks like two kids set up their toddlers to fight. Oh I know,
1: man, right? Man, they're fairly fighting within the next two or three days. They didn't fucking confirm it, but they said the fight is on. The fight of the century. Has,
0: Hasbulla Magomedov. Hasbulla Magomedov. I,
1: I don't know what the other guy's name is, but I just know Hasbulla's is a fucking legend.
0: Uh, Abdu Rozik is yeah, the guy Has, he's fighting.
1: If I can bet on Hasbulla, I'm fucking going the house on Hasbulla. <laughs>
0: You're going to have to talk to Putin about that. Oh,
1: yeah. That's you're, true.
0: you're going to have to clear that with Putin as to whether or not you can put some money on that. Uh, but speaking of putting money on things, let's talk about stuff that we're a sports podcast, damn it. Yeah. Let's get back to sports. Hey,
1: that uh, is sports. They're boxing, right?
0: Don't, don't do that. Don't Sorry, do that. I, I had to. Oh, this thing is completely gone. So sideways.
1: Oh, man, Moxie has gone so far downhill that I'm fucking more hyped about Hasbulla versus whatever than I am Tyson Fury and fucking Deontay Wilder. <laughs>
0: okay. All right, now that I've composed myself. Oh, God. Uh, Vegas uh, minus one and a half is plus 114 tomorrow. <laughs> it, it, <laughs> was, it was... They were... I, I think it might have been a mix-up on the website. I thought that they were plus one and a half. they're minus one and a half. I think Montreal can make some of these games close. I do think Montreal's defense is good, and Carey Price can stand on his head for at least one game, and maybe, maybe, why not? I think that Vegas is probably going to beat them by a lot of goals every time that they win, but it could be wrong. They they could have one mix-up.
1: Yeah, nice little gentleman sweep. I hope Montreal gets one or two games. That'd be nice, but I don't know. Yes, we'll see. Yeah. So now, so now for my first beat of the league, I go back to the, the Europa League. I'm picking Germany as the runner-up. So, for, so they Germany lost to France today, or on Tuesday, 1-0. So they're not out of it, but they're in quote unquote group of death, as they like to call it. They're in a they're in a group with Hungary, France, Portugal, obviously with Cristiano Ronaldo. Everybody knows Cristiano Ronaldo is and them. So and th- they have the third best odds right now to get second. Portugal right now has the best odds to get second. They still think France can win the win the, win the group, but I still think Germany can pull it off, and it's plus 150 odds, so I think that was pretty, pretty good one to take.
0: Yeah, no, I think that'll be – I mean, I don't know too much about soccer, but I do know that people betting on soccer, um, they tend to have a good time. That's the only way that you can make soccer super entertaining. When you have the ability to lose in a 0-0 tie, if you put a little bit of money that it ends in a 0-0 tie. Yeah. You might be having a good day. Um, my next view of the week, I'm seeing here Carlos Rodon, who's kind of a phenom pitcher for the Chicago White Sox. He's moved up to plus 700 for the Cy Young in the AL. I think that Garrett Coles obviously is the favorite. He's minus 170. Um, but with the Yankees not doing very well, and the White Sox kind of getting hot at the right times, and they're, they're winning some games in the right parts of the season. Carlos Rodon to win the Cy Young at plus 700 is very intriguing, uh, especially at this point in the season, because we got a lot of baseball left. So, this could be one of those bets, kind of like we talked about last year, where you put it down now and kind of forget about it. By the way, we now both lost out officially on our bets for the Avalanche to win the Stanley Cup.
1: Pain, Spain without the S. So my, my, next, my next beat of the week, I have Rory, Rory McIlroy, who's been playing, playing pretty well, plus 1,900 to win the U.S. Open. Uh, those are way too uh, good odds to pass up. John Ram coming off of uh, COVID two weeks ago is, pro- is the favorite. Um, and then obviously Brooksy and Bryson. Bryson can't win the fucking big one because he doesn't have a short game. So I'm going to go with Rory, who has been playing pretty well recently to win the U.S. Open, plus 1,900.
0: Bryson's won the U.S. Open. Bryson's plus 1700. I believe he's won the US Open, hasn't he? Uh, maybe, yeah, I, don't I think, think he I saw a picture of him with a trophy. I don't know. I, like I said, it was on when I was getting my haircut at Sport Clips today, but it was the golf channel. So I was also only half paying attention. Uh, I'm going to look that up real quick. Shambo, US you know, Open.
1: Bry- Bryson, Bryson, like he hammers it's snot out of the ball. Um, I do not remember, though, if he has won a US Open, but he has won some. I don't think he's won a major. But I think he's won some, some. I guess some minor championships. I'm not entirely sure.
0: Did didn't he used to be? He used to be a long drive champion. Did, what, yeah, right? he
1: was. He was the long drive champion. Yeah. Uh,
0: I I couldn't find if he. I wasn't going to be able to find if he won a U.S. Open quick enough. So we'll just move on. And my pick for the U.S. Open, as I'm throwing stuff around here, um, but my pick for the U.S. Open is going to be Brooks Kepka at plus eighteen hundred. And I think Brooks showed that he's healthy in that last tournament that we saw him in, uh, in the Masters. He kind of proved that he's back. And at least maybe if you're live betting it, make sure that you bet that Brooks is going to finish above Bryson because I think that's all he really is caring about at this point. Um, But Brooks kept a plus 1,800 to win the U.S. Open is my pick for the tournament. So uh, hopefully Jeremy will chirp at us as he's listening to this. He'll chirp at the account at pod and see who, who, he, who he agrees with more. And we're probably both going to be wrong. He's going to pick Dustin Johnson and win again because that's yeah. just what Jeremy does. Of course, yeah.
1: My last one, like I said, it hurt them to watch them beat my team up, but I'm picking the Suns to win the West at plus 125. I hate Utah. I hate the Clippers. The Suns are I, – I, 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 the Suns kicked the shit out of my team, but I, I, I'm not going to cap. I love watching Devin Booker play basketball. DeAndre Hayden, he had one of the funniest responses back to after seeing Jokic's stat line after game three. He was like, Jokic put up 32, 20, and 10 on me, and we won? He's like, yeah, that's the MVP. So DeAndre Hayden's got my love. I I, I would love to see the Suns uh, reach the NBA Finals.
0: Uh, I don't mind it. I I have a buddy who would be very happy, and he hasn't ever won a... They haven't ever won a major sports championship out there in Arizona, so... Uh, actually they did they won a world series i think maybe
1: yes 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 Diamondbacks, yeah. one world series with randy johnson guys. yeah randy johnson and Luis gonzalez a long time ago
0: the big unit yeah so this would be good for them they can finally uh, deal with their 115 degree heat which yeah. i'm uh, yeah I'm, I'm working towards that uh, i'll be by the time we're recording next week by the time you're listening to our episode next week i will be out there in the desert sweating in the 110 degree weather in Las Vegas. So.
1: Yep. Yep. Vegas. I was, I was, I'm a burnt chicken nugget right now. I'll tell you that my back is, I fell asleep at the pool and my back is uh strawberry red. <laughs> Let's put that Yeah.
0: Oh, uh, that's the, it's the most dangerous because the pool is very comforting and relaxing. And then you, that sun hits you and you get the kind of sunburn that you can hear it's just boiling your skin and you can just, uh, uh, that was my experience the last time that I ended up making it out to Vegas uh, but now let's move on and finish out episode forty-five. So we'll go uh, play of the week first. What's your play of the week?
1: Play of the week pretty easy. The Kawhi I look, look, shout out to the SBN announcer, the Kawhi Light. Kawhi put Royce O'Neal on a well, not Royce O'Neal, sir. or no, Derek Favors. It was Derek Favors. He put Derek Favors' family on the line. Like like that man has no dignity. The Kawhi Letter just postered the hell out of him. He rose up, cocked that thing back, and is hammering it down. That that dunk by Kawhi was one to remember, man. He he absolutely destroyed that man, that man that man's dignity, their favorite's dignity. And it was, I mean, that's as good of a that's probably the best dunk we've had in the playoffs thus far, right up there. Yeah, I'm gonna say it. DeAndre Ayton's dunk over Michael Porter Jr. Um, but but this the Kawhi light, the call, the the dunk was absolutely insane.
0: My uh, play of the week is actually the baseball equivalent of getting posterized, and it's Shoei Otani hitting a 465-foot home run. This thing, it's the, it's the most beautiful-sounding home run that I've ever heard hit. I, it's a little bit of an exaggeration, but this dude, he, he leads the team with 17 home runs. He's a pitcher DH, and he just took another professional pitcher Four hundred and sixty-five feet,
1: bro. I'm gonna tell you right now, I cannot wait to the homo Derby. We're gonna get. I Ohtani. hope that he. Pre- I hope that he. I mean, I mean, they have to, right? Like, like they put put Otani in there, put Vladi Jr. in there because Vladdy's been fucking balling too. That's cool to see. Mm-hmm. Put Vladi Jr. in there and give me Aaron Judge in there, and we're gonna be catching balls at the fucking uh, rooftop too. <laughs> oh, yeah, Showy would
0: be. Shohei would be a good one to sit at the rooftop because he's lefty. And he'll get in front of it a little bit and hit it dead center. Just show off a little bit, hit it 480 to the back of the rooftop and just catch it in your beer. And keep going.
1: Yeah, we're gonna need to find ourselves a uh, uh, one of those massive glove from bench warmers just to <laughs> carry that around and then, then, then to try to catch Otani's balls.
0: Mega oh, bit. Awesome yeah,
1: that. yeah, home run balls.
0: Big pause on that. Um, let's uh, let's move now to player of the week and I'm sticking with baseball for my player of the week, it's Jacob DeGrom, because the dude is still carrying a below .75 ERA. Not even below one. He has a .56 ERA in 64 innings pitched so far. He is on pace to be the only pitcher. He's going to break the ERA record. I think it's set at 1.17. He could be the first guy to ever finish with a one or below ERA, because he's in there. He's, he's got 103 strikeouts already. Guys can't touch his stuff. And even if he goes through a little bit of a slump, he's got so much of a lead on it right now. He could have like a couple bad games and then come back down and put his put his ERA below one again. Jacob deGram is a phenom.
1: Hey, hey, no no foreign substance though. You never no, know. no, no foreign.
0: He's okay. not, he's the kind of guy that's not the foreign. He just went out in his backyard and threw his fastball for five hours a day and put five miles an hour on it.
1: Yeah, and the Mets suck too, don't they? They're they're not playing well either. I'm pretty sure they're not
0: they're not uh great, but they aren't losing like they normally do. I'm pulling it, up it the is, standings it is a now. Ferrari and a, they're leading. They're leading the their division. They have a four and a half game mind. lead over the Phillies.
1: Never mind. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. Like I said, I don't watch much baseball. I will be yeah. now, but I don't watch a lot of baseball. For my play uh, league, I'm actually I'm gonna go baseball too. So so. I'm going to go with Austin Gomber, the guy that was the big piece, quote-unquote, so quote big piece in the Arenado trade. He has a .59 ERA at home, at Coors Field. So he sucks on the road for whatever reason. The Rockies he, suck
0: on the road in general.
1: <laughs> yeah, so but he has a .59 ERA at home, which, which I mean, look, Gomber has been playing really well. He's been pitching really well. That's the bright spot in this Arenado trade. If if there's anything from it, and and the Rockies may be full rebuild mode now, but we're not the worst team in the league because the Diamondbacks suck ass too. And so do the Pirates. Oh my God, they're bad. The Rockies. I mean, we're a shit show. But I'm <laughs> talking about a team that needs to sell sell a team, an or, an ownership that needs to sell a team. The Pirates are a choke. <laughs> Oh, um, uh, we're
0: not we're not the worst overall but we're on pace to loot to win less than 20 games on the road this year we're hey, 5 and 27
1: hey we can win games at home <laughs> yeah we're play. 21
0: and 14 at home we've lost we, 14 that, games we, at home
1: if, if we could figure something out on the road we'd be like so, we'd be decent like, like legit
0: Legit- I don't. I think I, you're I underselling. <laughs> you're underselling the five and twenty-seven record on the road right now. I know. I at, know at this point I, in the season,
1: I know that's, that's terrible. Good. I know that's terrible, but I see a bright spot, Jimmy. Uh-oh. We have been we have been tortured the past two weeks with our sports. Give me something to look forward to. <laughs> No, I I, that 5-27 and
0: 27 road record is the Padres fan coming up and punching us in the face.
1: Like, 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 the way I see it is, like, you know what? If I go to a Rockies game, they're probably going to win because they're good at home. <laughs> but if I go to a game on the road, they're going to get their shit kicked in. So, you know, you got to think positively. Think positively because that's all I have to the mother- there ain't nothing Rockies. positive about the Colorado
0: Rockies, but okay, we'll
1: 14 is positive. That's all I'm saying. Austin Gomber having a point five nine ERA at home—that's positive in my book.
0: That's impressive. And shout out the Rockies because they did pick up our buddy, former teammate, sunshine Nate Sweeney's from contract from the Grand Junction. Junction
1: Rockies. Yeah, so he—I mean. there's there's a chance he can make it it'd be cool it'd be really i mean i'd sure as hell get a nate sweeney jersey um i don't know if he'll be able to make it to the big leagues but he's got a shot and he performed really well at the grand junction rockies which is weird because they're not affiliated with the rockies but they're they're the name i don't know it's just so weird how minor league system works but yeah i'd love to see him possibly get a shot because that'd be really cool
0: yeah i think that's a i mean He's got an opportunity. He's been grinding and that's one of the breaks that you kind of hope for, especially in baseball. I mean, it takes forever for some guys to get called up to the majors. So good for him. And that's going to bring us to the end of this episode. So uh, I'll go ahead and get all the uh, minutia and and stuff out of the way. You want to tell the people what uh, they can start expecting, though, before since now that playoffs are over and we're going to have some extra time on our hands. You want to explain some of the new content?
1: Yeah, so, no, so when the playoffs officially end with baseball – or not baseball, when basketball and hockey playoffs officially end, because obviously we're going to continue talking about those in the next couple weeks. Um, we're going to fish in some, some – obviously, like Jimmy said before, we're going to work on the uh, – um, uh, the how it should or how it sounded, how it sounded, right? I think that's what we called it. Um, how it should have sounded. I should have sounded. There we go. There. Are. How should have sounded. I was close. <laughs> I was close. <laughs> uh, but how it should have sounded. So we'll be we'll be calling some of the biggest plays, um, in either arts, sports, teams, histories, or whatever. Maybe we may even throw. We'll let out you guys pool. pick
0: some moments too.
1: Yeah, we we may we may go back and pick some old ones for you guys, because maybe this generation doesn't remember or whatever. We'll figure some things out. Um, And then also we're gonna, because I mean I like conspiracy theories. I like going down the rabbit holes of conspiracy theories every now and then on YouTube, because I think sometimes they're funny. But we're gonna once the NBA playoffs and NHL playoffs start or finish up. We're gonna pick. We're gonna switch off between each of us. We're gonna pick one conspiracy theory each and switch off every week, and we're gonna go in depth on why it's either, and we'll really say that's either debunked, there's no shot, or or that it's it, 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 there's a good chance it actually is real. <laughs> so so that'll be some fun because there's some there's some funny ones. You want to talk about the. Um, I mean, the Astros one comes to mind. That, that that's a, that's a fact. The Rockies stealing signs. You talk about the NBA draft lottery being rigged for Patrick Ewing. Um, the NFL draft being rigged. Like there's so many funny, interesting ones. Ryan Leaf or or Will Chamberlain. His his uh, long lost son plays in the NBA. and It's Otto Porter. Like there there's so many funny different.
0: There's a pretty ones. dark one about Carl Malone too.
1: Oh, William, that is very, very, very dark.
0: Yeah, we might have to wait a few weeks to actually bring that one up, but there's – I'm excited for that segment. That's going to be a fun one.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now let's uh, – we remember, follow us on our social media, at F-E-O-T-B pod, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Uh, we do have a YouTube channel as well that you should subscribe to. We've been kind of quiet on there, but we've been super busy back and forth between Nico traveling for work and I'm going on vacation next week, so – We promise we'll get back on it and be more consistent, but for now we'll put out content on YouTube when we can. Uh, That how it could have sounded is going to be a big staple of our YouTube content moving forward for the rest of the year, at least till the NFL starts up again. Um, Also remember to listen to us live every Wednesday on the Unhinged Sports Network from 1 to 3 p.m. Eastern, unhingedSN.airtime.pro. Follow them on Twitter at Network Unhinged, Instagram at unhingedSN, unhingedSN unhingedSN.com is where you can read all the different blogging content. And also, uh, don't forget to check out that Fighting for a Dream series. We're going to have an interview with uh, one of the main American players, Aaron Ellis, from that series. But that's available on the Unhinged Sports Network YouTube that you guys should subscribe to there as well. That's been a great little mini-series going on underneath the Unhinged banner. But for that, this has been episode 45 of the Far End of the Bench hey, podcast. My... H- H-
1: Hossboola by a KO, I'm calling it. Don't house oh, on it.
0: <laughs> all right for myself jimmy palato my co-host nico bryant Hasbulo to win by ko and thank you guys for listening to this episode of the far of the bench we'll see you next week when the night is cold and lonely this is a dollar bell
1: was it the money that made me a savage? Popping them person i made it a habit. Told them pizzas and serving them addicts. That was exciting to me. I'm so excited to be. Started with nothing, we had to inspire to be. Elephants, they get mad me. I'm getting to it. Feel like the man. I got the plan. I call the shooters, they out with the van. Play with the squad, get piled like a sand. Piled like a perk. I'm going here. I'm going crazy. I'm Who's sticking up for a nigga? Let that move, like I look a sand. I'm in the kitchen, compressing the bird. Take out the nine and I sell it for right 30 to the... Brothers.
0: Both enter. Only one can leave. Hold on. Wait a minute. That's not what we agreed on. This isn't a death match. What are you talking about? This isn't a death match. This is not? This is just our podcast. What? What's our podcast called? Our podcast is the Dago Express. I told you this. All of this in an email. Oh, yeah. I don't check my email. Why don't you check? Why did you give me your email if you're not going to check your email? What? Well, it's just nice to give somebody something to write down. I thought you just wanted something to write down. No, that's not at all what I wanted you to do. Okay, well, tell me more about this podcast. This podcast is just a bunch of random nonsense. Me and you having a conversation with the microphone. That's all it is. Okay, and when can I listen to this podcast? Tuesdays at 11 a.m. And is it just going to be one place? No, it'll be on all your streaming platforms. <laughs> so is. Uh, two brothers, both enter. One microphone. See what happens. Yeah, I like that a lot better. Yeah, that's nice. We'll go with that.